JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And on a Wednesday, yeah, hopefully if you had some severe weather as went through the area earlier today, everything, uh, of course, hopefully again came out okay. Uh, Not so much, at least weather-wise, for the Cubs and the Reds in what was going to be their series finale over at Great American Ballpark. It has been postponed due to rain, rescheduled for September the 1st. So that was a washout earlier today in Cincinnati on a Wednesday because it's a getaway day for many here. You have a lot of afternoon affairs and some good ones, too. It's always nice to look up and I guess, well, they just uh, hit a solo shot here, right? Always nice to look up and see the Cardinals getting the crap knocked out of them. I'm always here for that. Just got one on the board, courtesy of a solo home run. Anyway, that's Major League Baseball this afternoon. And again, hopefully, if the weather was severe wherever you are, I didn't really get too much today. Just a lot of rain. I don't even know if I heard it thunder. But I know a lot of you got it uh, a little bit worse, maybe even a lot worse in other places today. So hopefully... Considering especially what happened last Friday evening, early Saturday morning over the weekend, hopefully everything is uh, okay for you over the course of this afternoon. Greg Rakestraw, bottom of the hour, a lot of things. One thing that occurred to me, and I have not seen, that's why I'll ask him because he certainly will know, but it did seem like, anybody else feel that way? It seemed like that there were many at the end of the high school boys basketball season. seemed like that there were a... uh, lot of good job openings. I mean, a lot of really good program job openings. And I will talk about that with Greg. That and more with Greg coming up at the bottom of the hour. Because if anybody knows that, it's certainly going to be Greg Rakestraw. That's just the way that it seemed to me. 
Yeah, you had uh, Warren, you had Pike, I think Southport opened up as well. I know Perry, Perry Township's looking for coaches. So it just seemed like that there were a lot of job openings. We'll talk about that with Greg coming up at the bottom of the hour. All right, Knicks and Pacers coming up later on tonight at 6.30. Hopefully I see you out there. I'm going to go because me and Michelle and Brent Halverson, our betting analyst from Heaven Hill Distillery, we're not only going to go there, but I think we're stopping at Pearl Street on the way down there. So we're going to go to the game tonight. Hopefully I see you there. reason why I bring this up, the reason why I bring this up is – You're getting into the final, what, three games of this regular season, and the Pacers have no chance of going to the postseason. And that certainly, in these past two years, has become a familiar fixture. And I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to try really hard not to be one or the other. Here's what I mean by that. I'm going to try really hard not to be, well, here we go. They're losing again. I don't want to have that losing mentality. I've talked about all the time how one of these teams around here has to completely pull folks out of this losing mainstream that we're currently riding on. I'm not just talking about the professional teams. And I understand what Purdue has done in the regular season. I understand what Purdue did in the Big Ten Conference Tournament. But you know what I'm talking about in terms of a letdown with that program. From an IU standpoint, you know exactly what I'm talking about regarding their program, where it is right now, the transition that it is going through. Because hot and heavy, Seinfeld reference, is exactly what they're doing in terms of utilizing the transfer portal because they got it. Think about all the points and all the rebounds that yesterday officially said goodbye. And that's a lot. You can say what you want about Trace, and I know a lot of you will. I know a lot of you still have, well, what did he accomplish outside of his, it, you know, his individual numbers? You can make a serious argument that if he had, like, even close to a little bit more help, often things could have been different. I will say this for Trace. He was a guy that grew. And you're going to say, well, how did he grow? He still can't face up and he still can't shoot a jump shot. But he grew as a player and he grew as a team leader, a team voice. And that was the part I always kind of questioned. I'd never questioned his level of talent. I always kind of question if he was ever going to be that leader of a team. And obviously, he evolved into that. And maybe that goes away. Maybe the other side of it, well, he didn't win this. And look, he didn't have any NCAA tournament success. You know, maybe that does fade away into a distant memory further down the road. I just don't think it will until you get a much higher level of of winning here, meaning you forget about that. And here's why I bring that up, because I've made this comparison before, and I certainly do not want to take calls on this, and beyond this analogy, I don't want to talk about this. Not at all. But I have used the analogy before when people bring up Andrew Luck into the ring of honor. And I say it like this, it is not going to happen until they win something significant. And then you get 50% of the people say, oh, you're wrong, that's stupid. 
and then get on me because I'm anti-luck and I'm anti-a grown man making a grown man's decision. Please, I don't want any calls. I don't want any tweets about it. I don't want this conversation. This is not June. I'm just, again, making the analogy that I have regarding where we are or, for example, what Trace's career looked like where IU basketball has been. Like, you look at stuff differently when you're in the midst of success. Right? I mean, things aren't so bad. When you go through four years of Archie Miller, if you're in the middle of a tournament run by IU, it doesn't seem so bad. You know it was bad. You lived through it. Now, all those years of the lack of success with this Colts team, with the exception of that 95 run. Yeah, let's face it. I mean, all that could have been and was easily forgotten during the Manning era because there was so much winning going on. You didn't give a flip about it when they won Super Bowl 41. So at some point, that's going to happen for luck, but it won't happen until there is deemed a high level of success. And you can argue, just don't argue it here because I don't care. But that, I can tell you, that's how that's going to break. It's going to go no other way until they win. And then these, these salty nerves from that that still stand the test of time around here, that still withstand, still here, when those things for some of you, not all of you, go away, then there will be the time. It's just not going to be until they win something big, win consistently. You know, let's just say that they mirror one of these days what the Manning era was, or if you win at that level once again, that's when you can think about That's when they're going to think about doing it, and not until then. So it's easy, much easier to forget when you're having success. Much easier to move on when you're having success. Much more difficult when you're not. So it's one of those things with Trace. Like right now, I get Trace for what Trace has been. That has been one of the best individual talents and producers that that basketball program has ever seen. And it's true. But to others, look at the lack of success in the tournament. Hey, look, he didn't develop a face-up jump shot in four years or any of this other crap, and you commonly forget Look at the numbers. Look what he had to do to hold this thing together. Even with the level of success that they had, and most of you are happy about it, look at the lengths in which he had to go to maintain that. Look at the mess that they were if he wasn't providing. But that's going to be further down the road. And maybe that does end up going away. But one of these days, relatively soon around here, you want to see some consistent winning again. And again, Purdue, regular season, Purdue, Big Ten Conference Tournament, okay. But we also know what Purdue fans are going to be holding true here, and it's not either one of those right now. It's almost like been there, done that, and you can kind of laugh at it, but with Purdue fans, it is true. It's like you win that, and that's okay, but in the past three years, you know, this year with what happened, with Fairleigh Dickinson last year with what happened with St. Peter's. You go back, you know, three to North Texas. The the winning in the regular season 
and winning by a wide margin, by three games, and the winning of the Big Ten Conference Tournament, that is not Band-Aid enough to cover the wounds that they have witnessed in the NCAA Tournament the past three years. Can't cover it up. Not enough gauze out there to do it. So that remains to be seen. I mentioned IU remains to be seen. Clearly, with the Colts, you're in a holding pattern right now. I give you a great example of this. I think most of us are on the spot where you draft somebody. But each and every day we come on here, and that's all of us. Not just me, not just the morning guys, not just the midday show. But we all come on here and we do what? We all poke holes in things. And we all talk about long-term and nothing short-term. Now, there's a great deal of realism in that. But there's not a lot of people out there that really want to hear it. You can sit right there and you can be satisfied with being patient. But let's face it, most of you have already looked in the mirror and you go, I've been patient the way that it is. We've been told things. Things have been said. Now, why do we get put on the hook for waiting another three years? And in terms of that, that's where you end up getting the Lamar Jackson story. And the reason why I bring that back up is not because at all I believe it. I don't. I don't think there's any way in the world. And I think people commonly forget what Jim Mercer said last week to bank the fact that they're not going to have any interest. Now, the reason why I'm bringing that up right now is because the agent, Drew Rosenhaus, was on with McAfee earlier and was talking about how Indy would be perfect. Indy right now wouldn't be perfect. Like, the situation would be perfect. But where Jim Mercer is on all this right now would not be perfect. A year ago would have been perfect. Before being outspoken regarding the league, before you want to be a lead dog in terms of NFL owners, that would have been perfect. When you sit down the mandate, get rid of this quarterback and get me somebody else, somebody else that you believe is good, is durable, still has juice, still can get the job done, can still put up numbers. And you cannot tell me that after, and this is what was said a year ago, after 90 minutes of tape, we realized that Matt Ryan could still play. After four quarters of play, the fans realized that he couldn't. Literally, that's how quick that it was. So you cannot tell me that the forceful nature of saying, all right, Bottom line is here, this guy's got to go and you got to get me somebody else and we got to win. Got to get me a name. That forced the hand of Chris Ballard and of Frank Reich to go out there and ultimately believe in something that really wasn't there. I have no doubts if Lamar Jackson were on this team right now that it automatically makes it more interesting. I just don't think there's any way you go back. And I think that we're so far down the road with just drafting a quarterback and rolling with it. You kind of got everybody on board right now, right? Kind of. It's weird, too, because there's been a lot of losing and a lot of disappointment. So to have everybody back on board, now that is splinter once again, depending upon what you do a quarterback. Because nobody is going to to be in complete agreement on what you do. I don't even know if you had those two. If Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud were available, we still would not have agreement. 
Now, C.J. Stroud had too many weapons. C.J. Stroud isn't the leader. Bryce Young is too small. Will Levis had a bad season a year ago. Will Levis is not that good. Will Levis is overblown. Anthony Richardson is nothing but an athlete. He is not a quarterback. All of this stuff. Hendon Hooker's coming off an injury. Not available until November. We're all not going to agree on any of this. Now, even if I say C.J. Stroud is the guy, people are going to say, well, he's not a leader. Look what he got to play around. No wonder. I mean, you'd be good, too, if you got to play with that level of talent. That's inaccurate, but still, I get where you're coming from on it. Now, you're not going to agree on anything, but it does seem like that everybody does have both feet inside the boat here. It does seem like that everybody's ready to go down this path of, all right, what's new and what is new with a rookie quarterback, a drafted quarterback? And not having to fight through the drama and the circus that was a year ago and jump back into more drama as to what may or may not happen with Lamar Jackson. Like a year ago, that probably would have been perfect. And a year ago, Lamar Jackson doesn't have that extra year where, again, he didn't finish out the year again. A year ago, that would have been perfect. A year ago, we would all be, I think, unified. We would all be unified saying, yep, last year, do that. Uh, you don't like this guy? Go get this guy. Does not seem at all like that is a position that they are in right now. But the position most of you are in is you're ready to move on with a drafted quarterback. So do it. And that's what they're going to do. But at some point, you have to show some signs, some consistency, some winning. I get you right there. So that gets to my point. And the point is Knicks and Pacers later on tonight. This is another season in which the Pacers will not go to the postseason. And we all know that's how we have viewed in the past the success of a team is what they do in the regular season to propel themselves into the postseason. But I am sitting here, and I am going to argue, and I don't want to hear any defeatist attitude, loser mentality, you know, any of that type of, yeah, I'm going to drive up here in this truck with my satchel riding shotgun here, bravado, which most of the time is fake. I want you to look at this thing as realistically as possible. Even in a losing season, even in a season where you're not going to the postseason again. Is this as good as you felt about this Pacers team in a long time? Even playoff-worthy Pacers teams. Is this as solid a position that you felt comfortable for this Pacer team in in a long time? Because I would agree with all of that. And don't get me wrong, there's still a long way to go. You still have major selections to be made, major decisions to be had. But where they are right now, it doesn't feel like a messy not making the postseason where nearly everybody makes the postseason type of Pacers campaign, does it? Got a little confidence brewing. And I don't think it was all from that stretch in December when everybody really had a feel good. I don't think it's all just that. I think it is the legitimacy of your belief right now. I don't think it's also 
lowering the bar on expectations. I think it's more of an understanding of what you've been through and the path in which you're going right now and the players that will, at this moment, make up the core. Short to midterm future of this team. It does feel like a good spot, even in a losing season, doesn't it? Again, I'm not trying to sell tickets. I'm not trying to, again, sell you on a defeatist attitude. What I'm telling you is there are different ways to feel positive about something. And to me, even going through what this team has gone through and even missing the playoffs, I mean, I'm not ping pong ball guy. You know, I'm not percentage guy. I want to see these guys. I want to see these guys grow by virtue of winning. But at the same time, I'm not blind to what I believe is slowly maturing and is being built here and is something that you can really be excited about. I should put up that as a Connecticut water question of the day. I probably won't. But it's not. It's not a loser mentality. It's the truth about a team that even with the lack of success again this year on the court may have the brightest light set behind it that we've seen around here in a long time. Yes or no. You guys can help within that discussion if you like. 239-1070 is the number. If you guys want to jump on board, you certainly can. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I was in there a little bit earlier today, kind of having fun with everybody during the midday show. Sometimes I'm just like screwing around and I go, I'm going to see who's all in there. And I see some of these familiar faces or names in this case. So I jump in there and talk about, hey, look, I'm here enjoying a bag of rolled gold cheddar twist pretzels and a can of tuna. And everybody laughs about that. (laughs) My lunch. But Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live should be up, and it should be running right now. All right, the master starts coming up tomorrow. You know, I mentioned this. I love competition. And I don't know what's going to be said about it. I know that it seems like folks at the masters are trying to, you know, quiet the whole, you know, PGA versus LIV thing. But don't you kind of hope that you get a little bit of angst spark because of that? I do. I do. I kind of do. Anybody else out there like me? And listen, I don't pay full attention at all times to golf. And certainly I will during the majors. But I don't pay full attention at it. And I haven't paid one ounce of attention whatsoever to what these LIV, these live golfers are doing. Not one. I don't know what Brooks Kepka's up to. I don't know what Phil Mickelson's. I have zero idea. None. I don't know where they played. I don't know where they play. I don't know what the purse is that they win. I was trying to think of some of the other golfers, but I will say this. This weekend, it just it makes it a little bit more interesting to me, even if that in reality isn't there. Anybody else? It does take a lot. For golf, like golf is different for me than basketball. I was watching last night. I was watching the Sixers and the Celtics last night. I swear to you, an NBA game is seemingly never over. Did you watch the way that thing went down at the end? 
I thought certain that Jason Tatum was going to knock down that jumper and send that game to overtime. I mean, a game that should have been salted away. And then I got to watch Joel Embiid put up 52 and be the MVP of the season. I can't stand the dude because I, I just don't like Embiid. He is talented as hell. I don't like him. Not a fan. I'm not a fan of where he played collegiately. That probably is a little bit of it. I, I should probably look in the mirror on that one a little bit. But there is no doubting his talent. My man was unstoppable. And you know what? I don't know. He was so unstoppable. Is that one of those things like when you talk about Miles Turner? Was that a gauge on the Celtics last night? Anybody gauge the Celtics? Because when, when Miles plays and he gives up that type of number or even less than that number, it's like it's like a gauge on where he is and where he wants to be, right? It's like an indictment on where he is right now. <laughs> no pun intended, world. That's what it is. Was it that way on the do – do I look differently on the Celtics last night? How can you guys give up 52 to Joel Embiid? How can you be considered a great NBA team? You gave up 52 to Embiid. How can that be? Uh, last night he was incredible. NBA games are seemingly never over. Never over. And also last night, Marcus Smart – You rarely see this. Marcus Smart had the best miss purposely that maybe we have ever seen at the free throw line. You know when they try to do it, they try to get that that long bounce, that high bounce off the back iron? He went straight at it, straight at the front of the rim quick and actually got the carom. And then a bounce pass out to Derek White, who knocked down a three. And actually, I thought he got fouled, even though they reviewed it and said that he didn't get fouled. But he knocked down a three. There was some incredible moments. The Sixers still win, but there were some incredible moments last night. Just never over, seemingly. I, I for one, and I wish the Pacers were involved because it just makes it more fun around here. We talk about this every year. You know, there are a few things more entertaining than when the Pacers were good in the postseason around here. Just makes everything brighter, everything warmer. Everybody's got a little bit more of a hop in their step. I mean, let's face it, because of the way that the teams have gone about their business of winning here in how many years, I mean, we kind of drag ass around here a little bit. But when the Pacers are in the postseason this time of year, you can make an argument that it was the best time of year. Especially in the 90s, for example, there were no better times than that. When you had the Hicks versus the Knicks, you had Market Square Arena, you had all that going on. And I know that there was a relative newness to it because there was so much losing prior. So think about from that standpoint how you're going to feel once this team and I believe that it is going to be sooner rather than later, gets this thing right. You're just kind of waiting on it. Hey, listen, I love the fall with the Colts. You love the wintertime with the great collegiate matchups, IU and Purdue, West Lafayette, IU, Purdue, and Bloomington, and all that going on. But is there any better time in this state, in this city, than when the Pacers are good in the postseason? I know we're missing out on that again. And this is not a defeatist attitude. I'm not coming at you from a loser mentality. But 
you got to feel pretty good, even as the season nears a close, with the direction of this group, and probably as good as you felt in a long time. One of the reasons why you have that major centerpiece. With the major centerpiece, and that position, that position you can play off of and get better from a variety of angles. It's not just one. It's not just shooting ability for him. It's not just, you know, getting to the basket. And it's, I mean, it's it's a variety of things, but it's something that you can see. All right, quick break. We'll come back. We shall talk about that with you, Greg Rakestraw. Bottom of the hour with some of the high school coaching vacancies around the state of Indiana. Greg will get us updated on that. Who's up? Who's out? Who's on the move? And where somebody might end up landing with Greg. Bottom of the hour, Ted Bishop. Ted Bishop is the former PGA of America president. Friend of this show, the golf pro down at Legends in Franklin. And he's going to give us some insight on the masters coming up. And I thought about Ted from this angle too, because of what you have with the PGAers, with the LIVs or the lives coming in, you got that dynamic at work, even beyond just it being the masters in general, which is beginning tomorrow. Can't wait. Ted Bishop's going to join us coming up in the four o'clock hour. Bowen from the morning show is going to be here coming up in the five o'clock hour. Otherwise, 239-1070. Email the address jam via 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'll be back in there coming up in just a second and get with you. Plus, we got a lot more for you. HD radio sounds fantastic today. Sometimes during the rain, and I want you, I don't want you to have to work really hard, but please work at it and don't give up. If you hear some scratchiness going on with a signal, ask me about it and I will send you in another direction to make sure that this voice, this show gets to you. I know at times it seems like you're doing this and doing that. I'm just here to try to make it easier. I just know during weather like this and rain, Sometimes it can have an ill effect on signals. It's a little insider knowledge right there, but I am here to help. So if you need me, I'm here for it. Greg Rakestra, other side, 93.5107, Five the Fan. The Ride with JMV. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's quite pungent. It stings the nostrils. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Ted Bishop of Legends, the former PGA president, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Bowen's going to be here as well. I don't think we're on the road at all this week. However, I will say this. Anybody going to the Pacer game later on tonight, I think I have to do a little extra. A little bit extra tonight, a little anything goes, right? But I am supposed to meet up with Brent Halverson and Michelle and the gang down at Pearl Street. So if anybody's going to the game, stop by Pearl Street. Who knows? There may be something in it for you. Hey, by the way, too, before I get to Greg Rakestraw, who's probably saying, hey, dude, can you get to me? You already put me on hold here. Would you just shut up and get to me? Um, It was... How do I pronounce Michael's name here? I've never under... Michael Samil? He is the winner of our bracket challenge. Hey, JMV, I was lucky enough to win your bracket for Bottles ESPN Challenge. How do I go about collecting my prize? I'm going to tell you, I owe Michael 
I owe Brock and I owe Zach. And you guys, when you want to come down here and I'm here, it is all back at my desk. I have a virtual liquor store at my desk here. Seriously. I probably have more than some liquor stores have. But your bar restocks are ready to roll. You tell me when you want to stop by, I'll be here, and I will take it down to you. Michael, congratulations and thanks to everybody for their participation. It was an absolute blast. I'm lying. It wasn't a blast because my bracket sucked. Your bracket sucked. Most of them did except for Mike. But I appreciate it. We always enjoy it in your bar restock or your brackets for bottles. Congratulations, Michael. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, friend of the show, he is Greg Raystraw, who may or may not be walking in the rain like Orange Juice Jones this afternoon around central Indiana. How you doing? I'm good, buddy. Now, was Michael's last name spelled C-M-E-H-I-L? Yes. That correct? Yes. That would be Smayhill. Smayhill. Is say Michael's last name. How do you get Smayhill out of that? that. It, you would know that if you would shut up and get to me in a quicker fashion. <laughs> That's a hell of a segue you got there, Radio Vet. Well, well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well done. That, that is a that is a very common Ritter last name. Yes. That's how I know how to say that. So. Yes. Saint My at Saint Mike football. I love football. See, there you go. Good Saint dude, Michael right that, there. That feed that feeds into Ritter High School. There you go. Gotcha. So Michael is the winner, and it's all. I don't know if you've been back to my desk recently, but it's a liquor store back there right now. That's been the case, John, since 2006, and that was two buildings ago. Let's not lie about this. There's a lot back there right now. Hey, I want to bring you on. It seemed to me, and maybe I'm wrong about this, and you certainly can clarify, seems like that there are an odd amount of really good basketball head coaching gigs open as we ended the season nearing a couple of weeks ago. Is that true? Yes. I mean, I, I had this stat queued up, so I have this number off the top of my head, and I never got to it in the 4A championship game. But I think there was something to the tune of like 2,000 wins that was exiting Indiana high school basketball coaching. And that was as of March 25th. There have been more that have jumped on that group. So I still don't know if the Al Rhodes news is official at Penn, uh, but, but I had heard during the season this was likely his last year. But of the ones that we know locally, Bill Zickapike, Al Gooden at Lawrence Central. Again, I, I think Mark James is coaching someplace else next year. We just know it's not going to be at Paramaridian. Right. Um, a, a guy like Aaron Spaulding did a great job at Eastern Hancock, won his 300th game earlier this year. There are other guys like uh, Dave Malosnik up at, at Lake Central, uh, Brandon Lafferman, who is involved with Finch Creek Fieldhouse, that's stepping aside from his coaching days at university. We're just kind of in this period of transition uh, where there's a lot of coaches that, you know, are, have done this for 30, 40 years and have said that's enough. And there are other guys that are saying, I've done this for 20 years and I'm going to go spend more time with my family now. And so I, I, I frankly think for a variety of reasons, we're going to see less guys that coach for 30 and 40 years like we have seen for the better part of not just the last four decades, but well beyond that too. Is this a product of some of a landslide of? the negative that has been going on surrounding just being a coach to a degree what we see with trying to officiate these games how much does that play a role there is more parent bs that you have to deal with but there's also just simply a different view of life you know these guys that that coach for so long you know they they maybe didn't spend that much time at home i I think that's viewed a little bit differently 
than maybe it was 20, 30 years ago. Um, you think about spending more quality time with family members. Uh, you're less likely to sacrifice that than you were a generation or two ago to kind of do this. Um, and again, some of these guys that are stepping away have had these long and wonderful careers, and they're like, "Listen, I, you know, I'm in my mid 60s now. It's, it's it's time to, you know, kick the feet up a little bit uh, and 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 enjoy life." So. Some of this is just, you know, the natural progression you would see anyway, regardless of anything else that was happening in and around the community. So it's never just one thing. It's probably a, a variety of, of different reasons as to why this is the case. What's the most valued gig out there right now, in your opinion? Because I think you probably called the game of about every of these schools we're talking about out there. So right. which, which gig is the most coveted, in your opinion, that's open right now? Of the, of the ones that are local, um, University's already been filled, and, and that's not normally a place that you talk about first. Their girls' coach is going over to be the boys' coach, but they have won an average of basically 15 to 20 games seemingly on both the girls' and boys' side at the two-way level over the last few years. And they've got a young man named Sabian Kane that's a junior-level Indiana All-Star. University might make a run in 2A next year, but that one has already been, has already been taken. Um, of the trio of Mick openings, uh, you know, they're all about equal to me. You know, Pike probably has more back than anybody else. They lose Devin Woods, who's um, a pretty solid basketballer, was was under consideration for the all-star team. But they bring back Cam Kasky. They had a sophomore guard whose name escapes me. They haven't had, like, these dominant classes at Pike. They've kind of had a, a star player in each class. So that kind of continues. Lawrence Central loses a lot of seniors as Al Gooden walks away. Warren Central has some pieces back, but, but loses some key seniors as DeAndre Davis walks away. I think mean, his departure is really simple. You know, his boys are playing at Seton Hall. He wants to go watch them play, and I understand that completely. So of, of the local big school jobs, probably Pike comes to mind. If, if you And these guys are four, but they're not Marion County. Mount Vernon is loaded. They started three freshmen this year. So after a team that graduated almost their entire roster, they were well over 500 this year, and they'll bring everybody really but kind of one key player back. So if you get outside of Marion County, probably Mount Vernon catches your attention. What's a good spot, and I would agree with you regarding Mark James continuing moving forward someplace else. What's a good spot for his boots moving forward? I've had some people think it's Mount Vernon. I've had some people think it could be Warren Central. Um, I, I immediately thought that maybe Mark finds a 1A or a 2A opening, um, you know, kind of in the metro area, and, and, and potentially goes there. Uh, now, Eastern Hancock was filled immediately, and Brett Bechtel taking that job, and that was, I, I think, locked up yesterday. Uh, I believe that was the case. Uh, but, but basically, Mark, Mark will go wherever Mark wants to go and wherever a place says, okay, you don't have to be an active. He's going to retire from teaching. You have to be an active teacher here to coach this basketball team. Uh, my guess is he will kind of have his 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 uh, pick of the of the litter in terms of where he could go to be a high school basketball coach next. It's a Greg Raystraw here via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Don Carlisle, you know very well, an yep. unbeaten season for Ben Davis. We have not had a chance to talk about this legacy-wise. I always bring this up. Where does this year's Ben Davis team go down in history? Is it going to be one of those things where we get further away and rejoice upon it, prop it up uh, even more? Where, where does it stand right now to you? They deserve to be up there amongst the best single-season basketball teams in the history of Indiana high school basketball. 
no team has won more games in an undefeated season than Ben Davis did. Um, again, 15 or 16 of those wins came against teams in the top 25 of the Sagarin ratings. I think 25 of their 33 wins came against teams in the top 64. They own victories over the teams rated two through nine in the computer polls. So nobody has done what they have done against the schedule they played. I don't know if they will eventually be remembered like a 69 Indianapolis-Washington or a 71 East Chicago-Washington or, uh, say, the undefeated team of Perry and Purple Rain or whatever you think the best of the three teams were that won state championships at Lawrence North between Odin and Conley because there's not likely a, a star breakout major college player of that group. What that group was was the absolute perfect melding of the pieces. Everybody knew what their job was. They didn't rely on one player. There was a dominant factor, you'd say, Zane Dowdy, because so few teams could replicate 6'8", 6'9", and 230. But, you know, he, he was their leading scorer at 14 points a game. They had one game all year, John, where a player scored more than 23 points as an individual. That is the ultimate team championship that Ben Davis and Don Carlisle put together. And, again, they should be up there in the, say, top five to ten individual seasons in the history of Indiana high school basketball. Has uh, Dowdy decided where he's going to school? I know he reopened after Valpo made right. that coaching change. Not yet, and, and, and most of his offers have come kind of from the mid-major variety. So it would not, and, and again, kind of knowing the family, it would not surprise me if he stays local. So whether it's Ball State, IUPUI, not sure if Indiana State is, is kind of in on that. I'm not sure if Zane's a good enough outside shooter knowing the way that Josh Schertz wants to play. If Zane wants to go someplace, I'd, I'd be interested if Zane wants to talk to you, uh, you know, so to speak. But my guess is he's going to a Mid-American Horizon League, Missouri Valley Conference level would be my guess. He is Greg Rakestraw with us. Before I let you go, anybody left off the Indiana All-Star team that we could talk about here, or does it all look pretty legit, according to you? And I have not had a chance to talk to Mike Broughton, um, you know, in, in the last couple of days. Other He had a health procedure yesterday, so was, other than making sure he was doing well and wished him all right, I'm like, we can talk better business later um if the fact that jerron tibbs is not on the team tells me either the purdue football coaching staff did not release him to play or he said hey i'm good i'm going to focus on football going forward that's the one i'd say glaring or most notable omission and i would assume there is a story behind that there is always a group of you know there's 13 spots there's probably 20 to 25 guys that probably legitimately were under consideration for this. Um, so you, you can point to the Woods kid from Hammond Central that maybe should have been on there, but then I'd say, who do you take off of that group? And not to speak for Mike Broughton, because the guy that, that you know is the game director, he is my partner for probably 20 games during the course of the year, and we've known each other for a long time, and, and he talks pretty candidly to me about the process. So not to speak for him, but I will say this. His M.O. has basically been, hey, there's about eight, nine, or ten guys that we're going to put on the team because they're the best eight, nine, or ten players. After that, we are going to fill specific roles with maybe areas that we don't think we're as deep at, but with the idea of this is a team we are putting together, and our number one objective is to beat Kentucky. 
And as someone who grew up literally in the line of sight of Kentucky, I like this little winning streak that we in Indiana are on. So it may not always be the 12 or 13 best players that play on this team, but it's usually the top nine or ten and then maybe a two other three guys that fit specific roles with the idea of continuing to dominate the World Series of high school basketball. Michael Shrewsbury, will that change a bit the dynamic of recruiting in this state that he's at Notre Dame now? I think it will slightly. And we always kind of refer to Notre Dame as, you know, yeah, they're in Indiana, but. But, I mean, think about this. Mike Bray had a good amount of Indiana kids on that roster. Uh, wasn't necessarily every year. It seemed like they were all up there, though, right? They were South Bend, Fort Wayne, kind of in, you know, the armpit yeah, up there, all that, right? Fair no? enough. Chris Thomas is from Pike. Oh, um, well, we're going back Austin. that far? I'm sorry. No hell. Austin, that's okay. Austin Burgett <laughs> from Avon. You can play a lot, but, but but was a local product that was up there. You're just there to show me up. Stop showing me up. Come on, man. <laughs> this is what happens when you shut up and get to me quicker, John. This is what happens. Uh, hey, go ahead. You're right. A, a, a lot of them of recent vintage, you know, you know Blake Wesley, uh, even Luke Heron, you know, being a region guy, V.J. Beecham, being a Fort Wayne guy, you're right. Not surprisingly, most of those guys are from north of U.S. 24. But does this potentially open up um, more of central Indiana to go to Notre Dame? I absolutely could see that happening, John. Absolutely. All right, what you got working this weekend? You got any downtime now, or are you back full throttle again? Oh, my downtime was last week when I was uh, when I when I was supposed to talk with you. Yeah. So I was. I'm always excited to talk to Schultz. However, I was disappointed that, that was last Tuesday because John, I was doing that from the press box at Bob Warren Field as I get ready to do ESPN Plus's call of Indiana State and Purdue last Tuesday. Since we haven't talked in the last couple of weeks. Yesterday, I was supposed to be on with you, but I was busy doing college softball. Right. Tomorrow, college baseball, more college softball on Friday, high school softball on Saturday, Indy 11 soccer on Saturday. So uh, I don't have a real job, but my downtime is officially over, my friend. That is well done. Out of Greg Rakestraw, the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And as history will show from today, I got to get to him quicker. My bad. We're good. It gives me more time to hear the finely crafted commercial messages, most of which feature your voice as well. (laughs) Thank you very much. I'm sure I'll talk with you on Saturday night. I will talk to you on my way home from Indy 11 soccer late in the 9 o'clock hour on Saturday. Be good. Yeah. Take it easy, Greg. Thank you. Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. All right. uh, Ted Bishop coming up at the top of the hour. Talk a little bit about the Masters, which is officially underway tomorrow. Bowen's going to be here in the 5 o'clock hour. Curious about your thoughts as we wind down this Pacers season. Is it as bright as I suggested that it is, even though they're not a part of the postseason? Do you feel as good about this team as you've had in a long time presently? Quick break. We'll come back with uh, those answers to those questions and more. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does. And a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. In a couple minutes, we'll get back to some more Colts conversation regarding the quarterback chase. Get back to my point regarding Lamar Jackson, regarding the Colts as a rookie quarterback moving forward where you are. And my thoughts involving the Pacers, even with a non-playoff team. 
Have your thoughts been as high regarding the future of this team right now as it has been in a long time? We'll get back to that with you coming up in a minute. Greg Rakestraw, a little bit earlier, that podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Packed full of information regarding local head coaching vacancies around the state of Indiana. Big places. Fantastic programs are open right now. Again, 107.5thefan.com is that podcast. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he's a friend of the show, the former PGA of America president. He is the pro down at Legends. He's an all-around fantastic guy. Let's bring on board Ted Bishop. Hello, Ted. How are you doing? I'm good, JMB. How are you? Um, did everything turn out okay? And I know I bring this up because I know between you and I, we have a great deal of love for the community of Whiteland that got hit incredibly hard a little bit north of you and a little bit east of me this past weekend. How did things go for you at the course? You know what? We had uh, some storm damage, uh, but certainly things that we were uh, able to clean up and, and take care of and not nearly as bad as it was just a couple of miles north of uh, the golf course in Whiteland, as you mentioned. And, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of people up there dealing with some tough stuff. Yeah, and you, you mentioned this, too, literally a couple of miles north. Because what is that, Graham Road that goes north of you right there when that runs into Whiteland Road? That's That was, I, I think, pretty much in and around the epicenter of all that heavy damage occurred. Yeah, it, it, it really was. In fact, uh, Glenn Gant, one of my longtime maintenance um employees lost his house and and everything uh he lived in our forest district so yeah it's uh you're you know as bad as it was you're still very thankful that uh wasn't worse than what it could have been um and you're still coaching up golf correct yep we uh we're supposed to have our first match tonight against franklin central and that's been postponed to uh tomorrow night and uh, hopefully it'll be a three-way match with whiteland and and franklin central and and us in franklin and we've got a 17-team uh, imitational that we're going to host here at the Legends on Saturday for uh, Greenwood. So, we're yeah, we're ready to go. High school-wise, how have you seen we, – we've talked about this before in, in terms of just um, how the golf game has was growing, certainly around, you know, the, the whole evolution of, of Tiger Woods becoming, you know, what Tiger Woods certainly was. And, and now just with the legendary play of the past of Tiger Woods. But on the high school level, how have you seen that? portion of golf and the love of golf evolve just right before you well yeah that's a great question of course we hosted the uh, boys and girls state championships here jmv from 2000 to 2015 and there were some uh, very good players that played here patrick rogers played here tyler duncan played here as a matter of fact tyler duncan holds the uh, ihsa scoring record for the boys in the state tournament with a 63 that he shot here at the legends and without question uh, i've been coaching golf going all the way back to green county when you were there yep. i was coaching minors late 80s and uh, the quality of play has definitely gotten better a lot of good players and you know, i would take a program like center grove i think they have 31 guys that are on their team trying to make that squad and uh, the depth that that team has is incredible. I mean, they've got they've got guys playing on their third team that could start for most programs in the state of Indiana. But the players are better. I'd use our players as an example. They work out three days a week in the winter. They're stronger. They hit it farther. 
and uh, it's it's a better game than what it was 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, no doubt about that. Well, and certainly it has, I mentioned the evolution of the game and the personalities. Uh, it has certainly done that in the past year in professional golf, has it not? And I, how do you view the Masters beginning tomorrow with, you know, PGA players, those professionals in mind compared to the the live golfers in mind? Is there going to be a back and forth here? Is there a storyline that we need to cover regarding that for the weekend? Well, you know, I think there is, and I think I watched Fred Ridley's, uh, the chairman's press conference today, and he did everything the right way. I mean, he tried to put the emphasis on the tournament and take it away from Liv, but it was interesting. Greg Norman, who, of course, is the commissioner of Liv Golf, was not invited to the Masters, uh, and Ridley said there really wasn't a lot of controversy there. Uh, Norman has only been there two out of the last 11 years and one of which he was working as a TV commentator. And, of course, Norman made some statements that if a live player wins, all the live guys are going to be waiting there on the 18th green when they come off to you know have a big celebration. So I, I think at the end of the day, it will be interesting to see how it plays out. But I also think that uh, in, in listening to some of the commentators on Golf Channel that are far closer to what's going on than I am, they were just talking about how out of form they felt like that some of the top live players were based on where they've been playing. And uh, Dustin Johnson was one that they thought was was not playing very well right now. Uh, Kepka won last week in, in Orlando uh, in a field that really wasn't much. And, and there was a great line today, JMB, by, uh, that Nicholas always kind of stood on. You don't find your game at Augusta National, you bring it. And I think that the lack of really quality competition by those guys on the live tour is going to show up this weekend. And uh, I'm not sure any of those guys are going to be much of a factor. Well, and and Ted Bishop joins us talking Masters and more on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Little inspiration, especially for the uh, the PGAers in mind, with what you just said that, that Greg Norman had to say about a celebration if a live player were fortunate enough to win this tournament. Is that even more inspiration? I mean, obviously they're going individually for themselves here, but is, is there a thought regarding that in their mind on this too, or are they just playing how they normally play? No, I think the, the win in the Masters means too much to all those guys for that to even really be much of a secondary thought. Uh, I, I don't think that's the case whatsoever i still think that of the four majors um most guys would say that the masters would be their first choice to win uh, maybe a few would would say the u.s open but so no i don't i don't really think that's going to be much of a of a factor i mean the big story this weekend i think will be rory mcelroy he needs the masters to complete to complete the career grand slam and that would mean that he would have won all four of the majors, the U.S. Open, the Open Championship, the PGA Championship, and now the Masters. The Masters is what he what he lacks. And he has been in good form. He's been playing real well um, as of late. He, he had a well-publicized driver switch where he went to a shorter driver with a lighter shaft, and, and he actually hit a drive in the match play on the 18th hole, 360 yards onto a par four. So he's, he's a guy, I think, that uh, – a lot of people are certainly going to have their eye on. Who else you liking? Who are you going to have your eyeballs on? Yeah, hopefully for the entirety of the Masters, but certainly at the beginning coming up tomorrow. 
Well, you know, that's such a tough question. I mean, I, I really – I got to know McElroy very well when I was PGA president. Uh, I had a chance to play golf with him four or five times. And, I mean, he would be the guy that I really would – would like to see win, but I, I'll tell you what, man, there have been so many young players. And if there's been one thing that's been good about live is it's opened up the opportunity on the PGA tour for um, a, a lot of new players that are really not household names at this point. And I would not be surprised to see somebody come out of the pack, so to speak, to win, but Scotty Scheffler, the defending champion, I mean, he's he's going to be a factor for sure. A lot of people like Max Homa. Um, it, it, I just think it's going to be an interesting weekend, and I, I think it's it's it, it, if if somebody out there has got a a new player they like that's got you know, heavy betting odds, you know, I'd go with it. <laughs> I just think a lot, it's a lot of people are a lot of people I saw, and this is not new by any stretch, Ted. But like a lot of people are on John Rahm with this yeah. going into this weekend. Rom, I mean, you, certainly Rom would be a, a solid pick. You can't argue with you know with that whatsoever. Uh, you know, a guy that's uh, not had a lot of success, that's not played well lately, is Thomas. I always felt like Justin Thomas should be a guy that would play well at Augusta. You know, everybody keeps saying Spieth is is really close to being back, and Jordan has played well in the past at Augusta National. So those would be some guys to watch. Finau is always a guy to watch. You know, in these big tournaments, so it's just it should be an interesting weekend. It, it the, the thing too is going to be the weather. I mean, it's believe it or not, it's supposed to be warmer here in central Indiana this weekend than it is in Augusta. The high down there is supposed to be 52 degrees on Saturday. It's supposed to be windy, not much warmer, maybe in the low 60s on Sunday. They're supposed to get a lot of rain. And the golf course is going to play very, very difficult, I think, in in some respects. So, who knows what will happen in those conditions. That's um, – yeah, that, that – does that bring nearly everybody back down to an equal level? Even if you're playing hot, if you're a, an odds-on favorite to win, maybe you've, you know, won something recently, you've been on that hot streak, does that kind of bring everybody back down together? Well, I think one thing it does is it gives the edge to the longer hitters. Because the golf course is soft, you're not going to get any roll. So the, the guys that can bomb it are the guys that I think are, are going to have a big advantage. You know, one of the interesting things, I, I uh, saw an interview with Matt Kuchar, and you know he was talking about how they mow the fairways there, for example. And I think listeners would find this interesting. They, they mow the fairways so the grain is – facing the tee. In other words, the grass would be leaning towards the tee as you're hitting tee balls. And they do that purposely so that when a ball lands and it starts to roll out, it's it's going against the grain and they won't, right. they won't get as much pull out on tee shots like that. They do everything they can to make the golf course play long as it is. Um, so the wetness is, is definitely going to uh, lie to the advantage of long hitters. The other thing that will be interesting, there's been a lot of talk about 13th hole and, you know, how they've lengthened that hole and, and what club players are, you know, going to try to hit into the uh, the green with their second shots, if they even do, based on ground conditions and wind and all that kind of stuff. So that hole's going to play different than what it has in the past. They they lengthened the 15th hole, the other par five, on the back nine last year. And uh, I think I heard today that um, there might not have been any eagles on on Sunday uh, a year ago. So 
it'll it'll be uh, it'll be a test. It'll it'll really be a test. Um, be fun to watch. So Ted Bishop, the former PGF America president, he's the golf pro down at Legends in Franklin, the uh, head golf coach over at Franklin too, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. How do you view Tiger Woods in this you know, this I, particular tournament? Yeah, well, I, I think physically he's going to have a real hard time um, as the week goes on, and uh, you know he he's talked a little bit about that already. I mean, it's he's limited his practice round. Uh, action and if it's wet, that's the tough golf course to walk. It's it's interesting to hear. For me, when you look at at athletes and other sports, <laughs> and you look at the physicality of other sports, and to hear these professional golfers talk about how hard a walk this golf course is. Now they're not packing their bags; um, they're just out there walking and. Uh, but for those guys to talk, who are then they're you know well conditioned athletes. But for them to talk about how tough the walk is, you put a guy like Woods in there who's got obvious physical issues, and I, I think it's going to be real difficult for him to be much of a factor. I, I would say if he makes the cut, that that would be phenomenal. Hey Ted, one final thing too about you know the whole live splintering off. Uh, you mentioned one of the effects, and you believe that that's a positive, and I would agree with you is the upstarts, the younger golfers that are giving more of an opportunity, and you see their game kind of coming together at a high level uh, quicker than what it normally would be. Um, has it been all positive, positive, negative? How, how have you viewed those that have splintered off to live over the past year plus here? Yeah, well, I would say this. I, I want to put a plug in for a podcast that Brian Hammonds, who I know has, has done some work for the We state. love Brian Hammonds here, yes. Well, yeah, Brian and I are doing a, uh, a podcast twice a month, um, and we started this in November, and we've had some great guests on there, and we just had Tom Watson on mm. this week and uh, Lanny Watkins a couple of weeks ago, and, and you know, we've talked about things like this, and I think the predominant thought uh, from people that have been on the PGA Tour, like those two great players have been, is that there have been some really good things that have come out of this for PGA Tour players. And obviously, purse increases uh, has been one. Now, one thing that I think is a problem uh, with these purse increases is this. You've now got eight elevated events a year on the PGA Tour, one of which, for example, was the Arnold Palmer Classic, Arnold Palmer Invitational a couple weeks ago at Bay Hill. The Memorial is another example. These are tournaments now that have a $20 million purse. The Players' Championship has a $25 million purse. It's the richest tournament in all of golf. Of course, the PGA Tour owns that tournament. You've got the PGA Championship, for example, one of the four majors, with a $15 million purse a year ago. Well, that's $5 million less than one of these eight elevated events at $20 million. And what's interesting to me about that, JMB, is my last year as president, we increased the purse in the PGA Championship from $8 million to $10 million. And, and for a period of time, it was the richest major of the four. And since 2014, the PGA of America has increased that purse by $5 million, which is a 50% increase in the purse. And yet they sit there today along with the other majors, and they're $5 million less than what these elevated events are on the PGA Tour and $10 million less than 
the players' championships. So I think it's really put the major championships in a little bit of a quandary from a financial standpoint. And uh, certainly the PGA Tour players have, have benefited from it. And I'm not sure that anything will ever happen that will repair the reputational damage that, that Phil Mickelson has suffered through all this. But I think that maybe some of the initial things that he said about the PGA Tour and what their financial resources were, they certainly came true when they realigned how they're running some of these tournaments. It's uh, Ted Bishop right there. And your podcast with Brian Hammonds, how do people find it? They can listen to your conversation with Lanny Watkins or Tom Watson. Where can they find that? They can find those podcasts on uh, our website, thelegendsgolfclub.com. They can find that uh, podcast uh, anywhere they listen to uh, podcasts. And uh, we started these in November, and and we've had a great lineup of guests. We had Dottie Pepper. We had Doc Giffen, who was Arnold Palmer's longtime assistant. We had Andy North, Lanny Watkins. A couple weeks ago, we had Chip Brewer, the CEO of Callaway Golf. Watson. Um, it's been fun. Between Brian and I, we've got pretty good contacts in the golf end of it, and uh, I've enjoyed working with him. Great contacts in the golf end of it. For real, right there. And everything going okay at the Legends right now? Yeah, we just need some sunshine and dry weather, man. <laughs> Tell you what, needed lights this morning. I got up at about 5 o'clock in the morning. It was 76 degrees outside. I'm thinking, yeah. man, it's ridiculously warm. It's been crazy, for sure. Hey, buddy, I appreciate you. And uh, we'll check in, especially next week, if anything uh, certainly happens this weekend, of uh, something we needed sorted out by you, because there's nobody better in doing that around here, Ted. I appreciate you more than you know. Hey, thanks for uh, for calling me. I always enjoy talking to you, JMB. You got it. Ted Bishop right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, the 38th president of the PGA of America. Also in the Indiana Golf Hall of Fame as of 2013. And he is such a valuable resource in terms of golf and for majors like the Masters officially underway tomorrow. I can't tell you how much I enjoy that. I just kind of sit back and be educated. And I appreciate him for that. All right, I got time for you on the other side. 239-1070 if you so desire. You know, I mentioned the Pacers and where they are right now even outside of the postseason. But your feeling regarding that, is it different? Is it me just kind of wallowing in the the losing mentality of what we have gone through in the extended past here? Or is that true? Get to that. The Colts draft a little bit later on. Bowen's going to join me coming up at the top of the hour. Rake straw a little bit earlier. Dusty May, if you missed that yesterday, in what was... An incredible season for him. And he's staying right where he has been in Boca Raton, the Florida Atlantic. If you missed Dusty May in the 5 o'clock hour, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Back to our Pacer conversation. Nixon Pacers coming at you 6.30. Your pregame show is later on tonight. And again, I'm going to the game. going to hang out with Brent Halverson and our friends from uh, Heaven Hill Distillery. I think uh, Eric Wilson's going from Andy Moore, Buick GMC as well. But I believe we're going to stop at Pearl Street before the game. So if anybody's going to the game and want to slide by Pearl Street, we should be in there. Now, granted, I do have to go a little bit longer with anything goes because of this Pacer game tonight. But I'll be looking for you coming up before the Pacer game at Pearl Street this evening. Let me take a quick one. We'll come back. 
239-1070 is the number inside the lounge via YouTube Live. They uh, were talking about prison films a little bit earlier. Got a favorite prison film? I like talking about prison films. See, Shawshank Redemption is my favorite, but Chained Heat is right there, too. I think for me, I'd have to go Shawshank. Have you, you know what Chained Heat is? I don't think I've, well, no, I've never heard of it. There's a great deal of nudity in Chained Heat. <laughs> great deal. <laughs> a great deal. Chained Heat might be second on the list, which is well done right there. Continue that conversation. Ah, oh, bad boy. Scotty says bad boy. Scotty in Brownsburg. Bad boys, and not the bad boys with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. That's bad boys with Sean Penn. That is solid right there. I still would be Shawshank and Chained Heat, one, two. Shout out to Linda Blair. Quick break. Back with the next. The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, Robo. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Thank you to Ted Bishop, former PGA of America president. Greg Rakestraw a little bit earlier. I got time for you. 239-1070. If you guys want to jump on board, Bowen's going to join us coming up at the top of the hour. Yeah, loungers. I I was digging Papillon. Not the new one, but the one with Dustin Hoffman and Steve McQueen. I dig that. Hey, JMV, were you watching last night Philadelphia and Boston? Did you happen to see the evening that Joel Embiid had? So he just doesn't do that against Miles Turner. No, he doesn't just do that against Miles Turner. They don't all of a sudden look at Boston as being a bad team because they yacked up 52 to Embiid. That is the level on which he is playing. If you watch last night, he hit everything. Everything. And they still had to squeak it out. Comfortably ahead and still had to squeak it out. But to me, that is, and everybody wants to argue about the MVP. And then, of course, when you have arguments, you get stupidity that are mixed into the arguments. You never you just can't have a real debate about who's actually been b- better on the floor. It's always got to turn into something else and then screaming and yelling and stupid crap. And morning shows getting all aroused about it. I'm talking about the television morning shows getting all aroused about it. Got 15 face boxes up there. Hey, let's go and hear what number 15 has to say about it. Same crap. And I'm not a fan of Embiid either, but man, you watch this dude play. And I, good. the only thing, and I said this earlier this year, when, again, everybody wanted to get down on 33 about, well, look at 33. He can't be a legitimate defensive player if he's going to allow that. Yeah, my ass. <laughs> All right. Because everybody allows that. Want to know why? Because that's how good that he is. The only thing that really can stop Joel Embiid is lack of desire or a foot injury. That's it. That is it. Lack of desire and a foot injury. That's how good that he is. And deserving of the MVP... Nate Thomas jumps in regarding the conversation with Ted Bishop. So the shade tossed at live golfers is almost sad. The PGA, while the most dominant association, doesn't own the sport of golf. 
A little competition never hurt anyone, but the ego involved, to me, it's just disappointing. If it's truly the premier spot, it shouldn't feel threatened. I don't believe that it does any longer. Threatened, I think, Nate, might be the wrong word used. It's, it's, it almost kind of felt like, you know, some that are breaking up. And it's not everybody that bailed. It's just some of those names that bailed. Right, kind of like a breakup. I kind of hope that there's a storyline there. Again, Ted is so right about it this weekend. What matters is it's the Masters. Nothing else really will. But, you know, a little bit of angst and drama from either side, I think, would do it upright for me. Yeah, that's incredibly true. This is from Alex. Hey, JMV, my house is literally a couple hundred yards north of Park Forest in that neighborhood in Whiteland, and it was a crazy, scary night. That's last Friday night, by the way. I'm very fortunate my house did not get any damage, and we are still thinking about everybody over there because I know others over there were not so fortunate, and you're absolutely right. It was just picking and choosing when it geared up, hit the ground, destruction, and when it didn't. Because it was straight out, and I'm a little south of Whiteland Road, of course, closer to I-69, but south of Whiteland Road nonetheless. It was pretty close on an even plane to where all that destruction was. It was just five miles further east down the road. And no rhyme, no reason. But it is incredible. Uh, JMV is Trace the Miles Turner of IU. Good player, never a problem, and his true value is really only obvious when he is not there. I will say this about what Trace's numbers are with IU are larger than, than even Miles with the Pacers. I mean, people don't want to put him in the hierarchy of greatest of all time as a player at IU because they just look at him on what he didn't do in the tournament. But his numbers are incredible, and he deserves to be up there. But you're right, Indy Drew. There are similar comparisons to be made, and I made that comparison with them both. Neither rarely could do enough, even with putting up big numbers, to satisfy the dumbasses around here. And I'm not talking about a huge group, but more than a handful. And whatever they were going to do, there was all is always going to come with a level of criticism, no matter what. But yes, you can make, I think, a very compelling comparison with them both. I mean, some will just never be able to satisfy it. And I'm talking about on a game-to-game basis. See, for Traces, what's up next is going to be, well, we told you he wasn't going to be any good in the NBA or you know something like that. Now he's going to be his value in the NBA. When all you have to do is look at his numbers in comparison with other four-year players' numbers, and it is incredible what he did up there, down there, over there, there. Uh, but oftentimes, people don't look at it that way.
I know a lot of people are worried about Tyrese Halliburton and his injuries. I guess I'm not to this point, and here's why. Because I can understand why they pulled the plug on this thing. I mean, they're out of it. There's really no need. Yeah, I guess famous last words, me sitting here and telling you I'm not worried about it, considering the teams that we follow, and normally you do have to worry about it. But, yeah, I can honestly sit here and say I'm not concerned about it in the future as much as anybody else is. Yeah, I don't know what what might be the difference maker in that. I guess if it's more consistently happening, most of these guys have to battle through it. 239-1070. Manny, is this Manny from the new edition concert, Manny? Can you hear me? I got you. Yes, sir. Where did you go? You know, hey, I call. I called you now two weeks ago this Saturday to make sure that everything was okay. Yeah, everything was good, man. I kind of slept in. It had been a, lo- a long week, and uh, <laughs> I was kind of a little under the weather, man. All that got real, got soaked from all that rain. Now, I know. I was. I had to change clothes down here in the parking garage because walking yeah, back, man, I was. It, it, it was. It was a monsoon. Down yeah, there. it was definitely that, man. I'm glad you had a great time, though, Manny, and hopefully hey, you man, did. Hanging out with you and Mike, man, was real fun. Hey, a couple <laughs> things, Andy. Just yeah. want to let you know. I heard y'all on the radio, man. I'm not trying to get through, but you know, okay, I'm out here making a difference in the community, man. And I just want to wish everybody well that that, that the storms came through, man. Right it's been, yep. been, oh my God. But anyway, uh, yeah, I heard Mike was talking about the bubble gut thing, man. Now, never that, bro. I was but, watching the games on my phone. <laughs> Wait a minute. You were in the back stall watching the games on your phone? Yeah, I, I, the song was open. I wasn't, I wasn't on it. I was just in it. <laughs> you were occupying it. I got you. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love him when he came in. He checked on me. Well, cool. yeah, he came. I was, I was sitting there, and I said, "Man, you better go. You better go see if he's still okay in there." So he did, no, and then man, we no, bailed. No, 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 nothing like that, bro. <laughs> well, yeah, man. Uh, 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 I heard you. Uh, uh, I am going to go to Brian Adams at uh, the Carb Day. It's going to be the first time I've ever bailed on the show to see an act, and I do want to see Brian Adams and make sure I see some of that. I don't know about Janet. I've seen Janet Jackson twice. I don't know if I'm going to go this time or not. Now, Ludacris opening up for Janet Jackson does make it a little bit more interesting, but I've, I've seen Janet Jackson. I've, being a part of Rhythm Nation means you've seen Janet Jackson a couple of times, and, you know, me, I'm a part of Rhythm Nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my era too, man. Yeah, but I was just trying to catch up, man. Uh, hey, man, you know everybody ought to be happy uh, with my man down at IU, man, because what would we been without him? You know what I'm saying? I think he did a very good job, man. Nah, you know he did. He did. He's him. been. He was a fantastic player down there for four years and put up big numbers, and uh, that hopefully will will have more of an impact further down the road when this team has a greater level of success, or at least that understanding manny will be there hey it was great to hang out with you manny thanks for going hey hope we get to do it again sometime man you got- your show, i'll be listening man take care brother you got it manny thank you manny went with mike wells and i to the new edition show which will be two weeks ago this friday and we kind of wondered what happened to manny i called him the next day because i didn't know what happened to him and you know wells had told me that he was he was in the back stall, and I just kind of figured that something was happening. And apparently he was watching, 
He was watching basketball in the back stall. Didn't know that. But no, nah, man, he was cool, man. It was a great night. That is something that I would go see. I would have gone to see that immediately again. That's how good that was. You can't say that about a lot of shows, but that one, I mean, it was a a catalog of songs. I talk about this all the time. You know, the best thing, the best entertainment is the catalog of songs that everybody knows. And that's exactly what they had. They just went from hit after hit after hit. You knew them all. It was absolutely fantastic. Thanks to Manny for going, too. Bowen coming up at the top of the hour. Nixon Pacer is going to be here at 6.30 for the pregame show. I've got a little Anything Goes coming up after 6 o'clock as well, so we'll dive back into that. My thoughts on the Pacers, where they stand right now as we get set for the offseason because this is not a playoff team. We'll get to that. We got a little bit more Colts to talk about. I know that everybody's a little bit worn out right now on the whole quarterback debate. And I saw on Pat McAfee's show earlier today that Drew Rosenhaus, and I'm not putting much stock into that. He's just talking because that's what he does. But Drew Rosenhaus talking about how the Colts, and he's just saying that because it's Pat McAfee and he knows how Pat feels about the Colts. But I think everybody seemingly forgets regarding Lamar Jackson and the Colts what Jim Irsay said last week about it. I just, first of all, a lot of people suggest if Lamar Jackson ends up dialing down his wants, I think he's going to go back to Baltimore anyway and will dial down his wants as well. I mean, to me, he's just going to go back to Baltimore. I just don't think that this has been – like, I love the fact that you can talk about it, and I wish it had more legs than this, and I wish I couldn't sit here and just dismiss it immediately because – it has good value in, in terms of sports talk, but in terms of realism, no. And that's the problem that you have. It's funny. I was talking this morning. I mentioned I was I was hanging out with Brian and Scott from Sundown Gardens, and we were talking about stuff. And I, I mentioned this time of year when we talk about, for example, the NFL draft, especially one with the level of importance that this is coming up at the end of this month for the Colts that most of the time about 85, 90% of what is said and what we end up talking about here ends up being a waste of time because it's something else. And you could easily put that in terms of this because we're all talking about, I I talk about Levis. I'm not a a fan of drafting Levis. I just think, and you know, obviously have told you where I believe they're going to go on this. Oftentimes, we end up talking about this, staking our claim to these stories, endlessly talk about it, and about 85%, 90% of what we talk about, all this back and forth we have, ends up going right down the toilet. And that's just the land of sports talk right there. It's a great land. It's fun. It's entertaining. And again, we give you something you can get no place else. I say this all the time. Nobody cares about you guys. Nobody cares about you guys like we do. But even talking about and trying to factor through any reasonable consideration for Lamar Jackson, just other than, hey, that would be great. 
And I'm not here to tell you that it wouldn't be great. I'm not here to tell you that it would not automatically give everybody just a shot of adrenaline, a shot of interest, a juice that hasn't been around this team in a while. This doesn't work. It doesn't work in terms of reality. And that's unfortunate because it would be, this thing would have legs forever. Quick break, we'll come back. Your call's on the other side. Bowen, top of the hour. Back to the Colts stuff. More on the Pacers. Pacers, Knicks later on tonight. Got it locked in. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Oh, boy, boy. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, the first Boilermaker into the transfer portal is not going to surprise anybody out there. Anybody want a fair guess really quick on who it is? The first Boilermaker into the transfer portal. With still a Zach Eady decision forthcoming on what his short-term future is going to be with the Boilermaker program. But Brandon Newman has decided to explore transfer opportunities and has entered the transfer portal. This was within the past 30 minutes or less via Twitter. Can't express enough how grateful I am for these last four years, the good times and the bad, that has molded me into the man that I am today. The university, or check that, this university, will be a part of me and will travel with me everywhere I go, forever and always. Love five. That is Brandon Newman now into the transfer portal. And not a big surprise at all. And you await Zach Eady. You kind of wonder if, yeah, I don't know. Other, I don't know. I guess what other options he may have, but you'd have to think maybe his decision or others making a possible decision may be reliant on his final and concrete decision. We still await that. Ben and Greenwood chimes in. I wouldn't discount the possibility of Richardson going one overall. This is the owner that drafted Cam Newton in the same spot. That'd be interesting. See, Ben, it's funny, and I've thought about this too. It is funny how we twist ourselves up like a pretzel, right? This time of year with you know the sandbagging that goes on, the whole misdirection stuff that goes on. I would be floored if it's not Stroud. But this will have worked out as an incredible sandbagging technique if it's Richardson. Stroud is not the same type of player that the owner is enamored with. I'm telling you, somebody... That is the wild card of the draft. And it still may be a wild card for the Colts. I just haven't heard it. Yeah, I guess what I would ask you is this. If, as a Colts fan, would you rather them, for example, if it were Levis and Richardson go with Levis with more of what they would say an opportunity to start a game and play earlier or just take a – Roundhouse cut and Anthony Richardson. But just because of the oh wow factor. 
We'll hit that coming up on the other side. Kevin Bowen will join us for the morning show. Uh, We'll talk about that, the Pacers, and a lot more coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Brandon Newman in the transfer portal. So the first Boilermaker in. By the way, I didn't mention this a little bit earlier, but Logan Duncan, who was the big man from Cincinnati Moeller, who spent a couple of years at IU, was in the transfer portal, and he is going to Xavier. So he is going to Xavier, Brandon Newman of the Boilermakers in the transfer portal. Quick break, Kevin Bowen, other side, 93.5107 by the fan. The Ride with JMV. Dude, most metal ever! 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Nick's Pacers later on tonight. 6.30, your pregame coverage begins. i got to throw a little bit of anything goes at you coming after 6 tonight. I'm going down Pearl Street if you guys want to stop in there. Brent Halverson is going to be there with me, so you never know what's going to happen. So if you're on your way to the Pacer game and you want to hang, again, I'll be down there probably about 6.30, 6.35 or so. So if you want to drop in, certainly drop in. News of the day, transfer portal open now and entering would be Boilermaker Brandon Newman. That's within the past 10 minutes. Actually, I think he made that announcement via uh, some social media outlet within the last 30 minutes or so. But Brandon Newman, with nobody's surprise in mind, has entered the transfer portal. Of course, we'll see about the Boilermaker's activities. Uh, Miles Colvin is coming in. Six foot six, athletic kid. So... Uh, We'll see where the Boilermakers go from there. But the Hoosiers are going to be more interesting because they absolutely have to fill more than a couple of gaps on their team with transfer portal reps going through that right now they are in Bloomington. That and more at 239-1070 with you on the other side, but on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. From the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Kevin Bowen, he does join us. No surprise there, but I guess with Newman, there's no surprise. Are you surprised we haven't heard anything concretely regarding Zach Eady's short term? Yeah, I am. Um, and, and I get that, you know, Trey Jackson Davis just declared. I mean, Jalen Hutchinson declared earlier in the week. So, I, you know, I understand there's some guys that have waited, you know, here post Final Four to make their announcements. And if I'm not mistaken, that they still have a couple of weeks to go. I don't know on the ED front if this is like NIL related. You know, is he looking like for some, you know, confirmation on that end of it? Um, that would be my guess. Maybe I'm just kind of grasping at straws a little bit there. But you would think, you know, potentially the ED decision, you know, could have a trickle-down effect on like a Trey Kaufman-Wren or, you know, somebody like that. So, um, yeah, the Newman one, not surprising at all. Frankly, I thought there was a chance he would enter the portal before this year. It just seemed like he was one that was, you know, at times, given his talent, leaving Valpo, you thought he was maybe a little bit buried on the depth chart there. But, um yeah, just didn't really put it all together. And obviously, minutes weren't a total given for him in West Lafayette either. Yeah, when, regarding 82, and you bring up you know, Kaufman Wren, he's not going to get any more clock than he got last year if he comes back. 
So, right, again, right. knowing nothing about it right now, you would have to think that that would be a major option for him if Edie, yeah, it does, you know, let everybody in on that decision to come back. And then, you know, moving forward with Edie, I don't know what, what other decision might he make here. I don't know what his play is, you know, outside of, you know, you know, an overseas opportunity. I don't even know where that is right there. I know that, you know, the, the, the Boilermakers made up, and I forget what it's called, the Boilermaker Alliance or whatever it is right now to make sure that, you know, he um, – adequately gets paid uh, via the NIL. So I don't know what what his play might be other than going back at this point in time. Yeah, I, I was trying to think. Maybe it was Tom Deanhardt or Rob, Rob Blackman. I, I forget who we had on, you know, about a month ago or so. Because I know there are some restrictions NIL-wise yeah. on your international students. Like Adama Sinogo, the big dude from UConn. I, I think it's faced a little bit of that as well. Right. I think Oscar Shibway might have had a hurdle or two to clear at Kentucky. So, again, I don't know if that is a factor. But, yeah, I mean, Kaufman Wren, yeah, I mean, certainly he's not going to see the floor anymore if Edie does come back. And I think you do have to wonder if that would impact him. I know it's not the exact same scenario, but, you know, Jordan Geronimo in Bloomington, like it, last year he flirted with transferring big time. And I was a little surprised that he came back considering Ray Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis both came back this past season at Indiana. And obviously you saw Geronimo, he kind of got, and I'm not going to act like his play deserved, you know, 20 minutes a night, but he got pinched out of the rotation there. Malik Renew's arrival certainly contributed to some of that. So yeah, with how, you know, typical college basketball teams are going and really only playing one big, if that, um, I am curious of the portal news we would have heard from West Lafayette. To me, it was Newman and then potentially, you know, some guy in the front court if Edie comes back. Yeah, it's it's going to be. And I, more of the portal news is in Bloomington because it's a major necessity with what they're losing down there um, in, in terms of points and rebounds and, and everything. And obviously, Jalen hood Shafino as well. I I, I wonder how long, you know, once they do solidify that, you know that they're going to get, you know, some love from the transfer portal that's going to be helping them out. I kind of wonder, because it seems like, it, Kev, does it not to have a great deal of success? I mean, there's a lot of relatability, connectability that we saw in this NCAA tournament that's withstood that, that test and all these tests from teams. You know, most of those teams I think you would look at in that Final Four were all very related and connected for a longer period of time. I, I don't know about assembling something. I know that UConn made changes and brought guys in, but it seems like when you have to go that far out to build that team seems like uh, long odds on seeing that thing positively in terms of what you and your fan base wants come to fruition. Yeah, I, I think it's a good point that you bring up. You know, I saw some people, you know, making the comparison to like Danny Hurley and UConn and, you know, needing to have patience in Bloomington with Mike Woodson. And, you know, if you look at Hurley, at Connecticut, it was the end of year two where that recruiting class, he got Sonogo and then he got Andre Jackson. And if you've watched UConn, I mean, hell, just watch him Monday night. But if you watched them all this year, I mean, Jackson and Sonogo were the yeah, I mean, they are the main guys. You listen to Danny Hurley talk about their team. They are the guys from a leadership standpoint. And then the next recruiting class, they got Jordan Hawkins, who, you know, has, a, I think, a very good chance to be a lottery pick. Um, the other starter, uh, Alex Caravan, came from that recruiting class. So when you look at how UConn got to this point, it was the end of year two, end of year three, back-to-back kind of two-man recruiting 
duos that built to this point to where now, you know, in their second, third seasons at UConn, boom, here they are, a, a great team all year long, and then obviously put it all together in the tournament. And, and you, you just can't say that about what Woodson has right now in Bloomington. That trajectory isn't necessarily there um, because you look at the additions that are going to impact the team next year, it, it's pretty much all portal-based. And that is, I think, more difficult. Even Miami had, you know, Jordan Miller on campus for a year via the portal. Uh, Isaiah Wong was a guy that they had recruited and, and, you know, wasn't through the portal. So you have to, I think, still have, you know, some homegrown talent, if you will. And and that's why I honestly think if you're talking about Indiana, you know, guys like C.J. Gunn, guys like Caleb Banks, I mean, they are so critical to giving you that next level and being a second weekend team, you know, continuing to be building off where you finished this year in the Big Ten because, you know, the portal is not all gold. And, I mean, hell, Indiana Purdue can look at it themselves and realize that they haven't struck gold in, in every single instance of it. So you have to have some homegrown. I think Malik Renew, you obviously feel good about. But, you know, Banks in terms of, you know, a little bit more of kind of that modern – you know, athlete that can do a lot of things for you. Obviously, gun scoring ability, a shooting ability, we all saw here locally. You know, if, if that can continue to grow and develop, I think those are such important pieces to building something because you can't just have the end-all, be-all, be the portal. But right now, for Indiana, I mean, when that's, you bring back – Yeah, it's a major lead. There's no doubt. Yeah. I mean, they bring back – I was looking it up the other day. They bring back – uh, what was they scored? I think they scored 69 against uh, Miami. They bring back eight of those 69 points. Yeah, uh, I think Galloway had eight, Renew had zero, and that's that's what you're bringing back. So uh, it's kind of the reality of where you're at right now. But at the same time, you talk about on your own roster, boy, Banks and uh, Gunn are just huge. That's right, uh, Kevin Bowen, the morning show, seven until 10 a.m. Uh, you're going to get a sports arousal with Shrewsbury on tomorrow morning. Is that going to be your sports arousal? Man, I you know breathing a little heavily. Um, yeah, nine thirty there for Micah Shrewsbury. You got Micah Shrewsbury at nine thirty. You've got Tiger Woods teeing off at ten fifteen. My goodness, man. Yeah. What, wow. when, do, when do they say call your doctor? Yeah, I mean I, it may last longer than four hours for you. Your sports arousal <laughs> coming up tomorrow. Well, you know, yeah. typically uh, t- Tiger's rounds nowadays do last a little bit longer than four with. Uh, how slow he's moving. Did uh, I, I want to go back and listen to it? Did Ted Bishop give you a uh, give you a pick for the Masters? Um, he, no, he he did not. He just gave me some guys that he thought could be there. He thinks that the weather is going to play the biggest role there, and that the heavy hitting guys are going to have certainly an edge because it's going to be cooler and wet, and those long hitters are going to have the edge. So he did not give me a pick, but uh, he gave me a group certainly to watch in this. And I don't know about you. I know you're a golf fan. I kind of hope. Yeah, it's it's the Masters, and and I guess ultimately, who really cares? I mean, they're all going after that particular prize on the green jacket. But at the same time, do you kind of hope that there's a little bit of angst between you know LIV players and PGA players? And I do. I kind of hope there's a little bit of it. I kind of like that. Yeah, I, you know, I've made it pretty clear. I've got a really strong disdain towards the guys that that, that went to live and and. Um, you know, kind of what all that stands for. But I also can sit here and realize, like, for golf and entertainment, 
there would be no better storyline than yeah. Sunday. It's Rory McIlroy, insert live player here, dueling out on the back nine. I mean, that would be – but obviously Tiger Phil would be the ultimate dream, but uh, you got to live in a dose of reality here. And, you know, there's a question that we had Will Haskett on earlier this week, John, and I said to him, what would be better for the game of golf? Would it be Tiger Woods winning or would, would it be a live player winning? And that might be a bit of an extreme. You know, Tiger obviously moves the needle like no other. But if you talk like five to ten years down the road, and let's say Tiger's shelf life of competitive golf is certainly not going to be that long, uh, it, it might be creating this little bit of a live PGA Tour rivalry. And, you know, Jake can probably speak to it a little bit, certainly better than I, but, you know, IRL cart, and you think about that, if you do have the ability to create some venom nature in golf, that would probably do wonders for the casual fan, uh, especially when you get out of the Masters, when it's not such appointment viewing like it is, you know, on, on an annual basis. Uh, my, my heart still wants to see all the live guys shoot a million, to be totally honest with you. But if I am going to look at it from a pure, like, entertainment, storyline, drama standpoint, yeah, you put a live golfer up there, particularly one that has a – has you know, like a Patrick Reed or a Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, yeah. Sort of I mean, can you imagine like a, a Rory versus um, yeah, Kepka or DeChambeau, something like that, on that yeah. final round? That'd be pretty sweet. That'd be great. You know, it, you think back to the British Open last year, you had Rory and Cameron Smith going back and forth. At the time, Cameron Smith had not declared yeah. his intentions to go to live. And Cameron Smith, you know, by all accounts, is a pretty well-liked guy. So if you've got a live player that has a little bit more of the, yeah, I already didn't like that guy anyways. Oh, yeah, because DeChambeau, be DeChambeau brings an incredible douche factor to it. So that'd be perfect. Yes. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Very, yeah, very, very well said. So I think if you're looking at storylines, that is probably what you'd want. And I think a huge storyline just all week long is how will these live guys play. You know, not to get too deep into it, but – I mean, they played last week in Orlando at a public golf course that, by all accounts, is nothing special. That's quite the cry from what Augusta National is all about. So how these guys play, how Kepka plays, Dustin Johnson, et cetera, uh, that'll be a huge thing to watch. The Dushometer. Where's uh? Where's um? All right, give me give me a Dushometer in sports right here. Where does uh, Deshambo rank? Just in sports on the Dushometer. Give me the hierarchy. Where do we start? Oh, he, yeah, he's high up there. He is. Um, he's like. Um, he's like a Grayson Allen. Yeah, that category. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, it was. It was brutal. To watch Grayson Allen put that thing home last week here. Well, dunk home. Yeah. Seems like. Yeah. I mean, you had that. Like two of the most notable dunks this season came, I think, in the grill of Pacers. <laughs> You know, between that and the John Morant one. And wasn't that on Jordan Wara, too, the Grayson Allen one? I'm yeah. Boy, for your, yeah. Yeah, do that to your former teammate. Uh, yeah, Bryson, I, I cannot stand at all. He, he might be higher Duchometer because you've got just – Is he bald? Is that why he wears that hat? Is he bald? Because <laughs> he wears that he hat. Is. Is, it, is it? How much of it is the hat? Does the hat matter or does the hat make it worse? Well, you know, oftentimes these guys take off the hat and you're like, man, boy, I, I didn't realize that's what you were working with up there. Uh, I actually think Bryson's got a decent head of hair. But if not, he should, you know, hit up PAI. <laughs> he should. 
Triple eight seven two four five one two nine. We grow air indie.com. Bryson DeChambeau. You don't have to wear that hat everywhere like that. <laughs> you got a pick. I mean, are you going? Are you going with the obvious? Roy, Roy McIlroy. That's who I brought up a little bit earlier. I, I want to see. I want to see like a final round. I want to see one of those live golfers. And like I mentioned, the Duchamiter with with DeChambeau, but one of those those live golfers matched up in you know in the same. Yeah, you know, threesome going down the stretch, for example, with Rory. I think that'd be awesome. That'd give me even more of a reason to watch. Yeah, and obviously the Masters, the one major he has yet to win, so you, you throw that storyline on top of it. And, you know, he had, for moments of that British Open last year at St. Andrews, it looked like it was, you know, his to lose. And then Cameron Smith made an incredible run at him, and Rory couldn't make a single putt, which yeah. typically seems to be the case on Sunday. So, yeah, from a – what the PGA Tour commissioner Jay Monahan wants, and honestly, probably what the Green Jackets at Augusta National want, I, I would think a Roy McIlroy title would be uh, close to the top of the list. Greg Norman got not getting the invite. You got an issue with that, or you love it? Um, I, I, I probably love it. To be honest with you, again, Norman's kind of worn me out. Um, I think a lot of this—I could be totally off base on this. I think a lot of this just stems from Nor- Norman's career. You know, he, he just the fact that he's always kind of viewed as the one that you know couldn't complete all the talent that he had, couldn't get it done. And I, you, could, you might look at this a little bit like Mickelson. I obviously won a lot of majors, but you know, the elusive us open and, you know, kind of always playing second fiddle to tiger. I, I think a lot of this stems from that. Like they want to go do something on their own. They want to, you know, whatever, try to change what the game of golf is all about. And I think it's just a little bit of bitterness with with all of it there. All right. So the Colts playing, they got two of them, I believe, right? Two of them. Uh, I always get updates on the Colts jet and where it is. Southern California, we know that was Stroud and Young with a workout. Uh, they went to Utah, I believe, with the uh, Hall, the BYU quarterback, correct? And now they're in they're in Florida right now in Gainesville, correct? That's right, and then tomorrow it's Lexington, right? Yeah. Levis. Yeah, they're uh, they're certainly checking the boxes there and making the rounds. And um, yeah, the, the Jaron Hall BYU one, I'm not 100 percent sure what that is. Yeah, I'm going off of one game against Notre Dame, but I wasn't too impressed by him this past fall. Um, yeah, to me, it's it probably comes down to Richardson and Levis, and the question for me is what. What is the question mark you have about each of them? And do you feel like that question mark is teachable? You know, in Richardson's case, it's probably the accuracy. Do you feel like 54% is something you can teach and you can correct? Because that is a very eye-popping, ugly number. And then for Levis, it is the, you know, processing footwork. He's got a really high turnover number. And is that teachable? Can you correct that? Uh, do you factor in age? I think there's about a, I want to say it's a three or four year age gap between Levis being the older one, Richardson being the younger one. How much should that play into it? Um, so for me, I think that's what so much of this week is about and why they need to rely on the opinion of Shane Sykin a whole lot in completing this process and, and deciding um, what they want. All right, this is kind of a, a perfect world thing because until we see, you know, actual evidence, 
basically the Colts world right now is in a belief that Shane Steichen can mold you know any form of quarterback into whatever he wants to right now. So I guess that would beg the question, again, hypothetically, would you rather see him try to mold Levis into what you believe he can be or Richardson? Because when I asked that question, I think that that answer around here would be easy. Would you agree? And that would be Richardson. Yeah, I think obviously Richardson is the most, and I guess to continue down the clay analogy, is the most moldable in the sense of he's just got stuff that he can't teach. And that is so intriguing. That's so enticing. Um, If you're able to tap into that, you've got a player that we just haven't really seen in the NFL. The, The question for me, again, goes back to is what Richardson lacks right now, is that teachable? And for me, accuracy is just a really hard thing to teach, particularly in going from the college level to the NFL level. Like, I think when we watch college football right now, I mean, so much of it is just like, you know, quick screens and quick reads and a lot of just line of scrimmage throws or, you know, nothing too you know far down the field. And, you know, if you look at a guy like Levis, I do think you will have seen a little bit more of like, all right, these throws you typically see on Sundays – in the NFL. And when you're talking accuracy, uh, that is just really difficult for me to sit here and think that is a super teachable trait. Now, Shane Steichen at the combine said that he thinks it is something that you can teach. Um, So obviously he would probably differ with that. I just don't know if that is something that I would be wanting to bet on. I understand that again, you, you can't teach obviously the raw athletic traits he has, you know, if he played any other position, you'd probably go with those traits and bank on those. But at quarterback, mm, it's Kev, not risky in my eyes. Kev, I try not to get enamored with these pro days. But last week, and I, I mentioned this on the air last Thursday, after watching that, I it was jaw-dropping. Just his size, how he moves, how quick he is. His athleticism, I mean, all of it is beyond ridiculous. Would you rather them take a chance on that beyond ridiculous than do that? A similar chance on Levis, who may be at least quicker and more ready-made to start in year number one? Because clearly Richardson's not going to be ready, right? I mean, he's not going to be ready in year number one, correct? Do we we at least say that? Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be ready. I guess the question then becomes, do you feel like to get ready, he needs to play? You know, I I can listen to both sides of the conversation. You know, Peyton Manning would tell you, play. Um, Patrick Mahomes would say, sit. (laughs) And it obviously worked out pretty well for for each of them in in two different ways. Again, Richardson has so much that obviously physically is incredibly gifted, but I would argue at quarterback, so much of what you need and what is truly special is, you know, just neck up and just kind of the innate ability that you don't see in a combine testing. You don't see in a track meet. You know, Richardson's stock has risen because he's in shorts and a T-shirt. And and that, to me, it's dangerous. Does it offer more potential? Sure. But to me, you got to find the combination of like somewhat high floor and also a high ceiling. Um, that is kind of how I view it. I've certainly heard people, and, and you probably fall into this boat, where look at the AFC right now. 
just average quarterback play isn't going to get it done. You need to try and hit an absolute grand slam at quarterback to thrive in this conference for the next decade. So I can hear people out on that. Um, but if you were going to make me pick one or the other, I, I'd probably side with Levis. I wouldn't say I'm super enamored by um, really either, to be honest. I, I'm much more in the Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud camp, but yeah, I fully understand that that's not going to be possible in all likelihood. So if you would make me pick on one of those two, uh, I'd probably go with Levis. You know, it's funny about this entire thing. Even if you have a quarterback that's unready to play and it takes a little while, and I'm not suggesting that the fans are going to be thrilled, but I mean, having Menchu here to a degree, I mean, you you hear and read what the fans say. There is a really weird and I think at times uncalled for level of excitement about having him here. I, I don't really know what that is or what that means, but I think if you're going to look at it in one specific way, it is a bit of a cushion where fans seem to be cool with that as a starter at the beginning if you really truly want to try to work somebody in as slowly as possible. I mean, I don't buy it, but it's just weird, that that weird kind of vibe you get from fans here where, hey, they're pretty happy about Gardner Minshew to a degree where I think you and I probably aren't, but it's odd. Yeah. And it's real. I'm sure – yeah, it is. I'm sure some of it just kind of has to do with, like, Minshew and, I don't know, and the mania and the fact that you've watched him in Jacksonville or you watched him in Philly. And, and, and his mustache and all that stuff. Sure, yeah, yeah all of that. I, yeah, I mean, to me, I, it, it's a nice pickup. I, I I think he would check, you know, a lot of the backup boxes for why you would want him here. Um, I, I don't really care, <laughs> to be totally frank, like – whether – does it influence the next 10 years of this organization? No. I mean, hell, even his contract is only for one year. Um, I mean, honestly, like, if for some reason they – which I, I don't even know why we go down the hypothetical, but let, let's say for some reason that they don't take a quarterback, you know, people are just going to be hating Minshew if all of a sudden, you know, you win six or seven games next year and now you're out of the Caleb Williams, Drake May – sweepstakes based off you know winning too much here but again I think he's a fine quarterback for what you want you want someone that obviously no Shane Steichen played a lot as a rookie 12 starts um, don't think he's very high maintenance so I think that is important for a backup QB but yeah I mean outside of he potentially could be your starter for 2023 I I don't I don't really understand like a major infatuation with him you would draft Levis over Richardson yeah, I, I probably would. Um, again, I'm not – and I get it. Like, in our shoes, we need to have these, like, staunch, overwhelming opinions on this sort of situation, and, and I just don't. You know, I, I could probably be talked into Richardson, but um, to me, the accuracy is just a really tough number to get over, really tough number. And I hear a lot of people that are like, look at Lamar Jackson, look at Cam Newton. You know, those are the quick comparisons – and I'm like, do people forget what Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton did in college football? I mean, we're talking Heisman Trophy national champions, like national champion in Cam's case. Like, I mean, that is incredible. Anthony Richardson was 54% and 6-6. Six and six. So I, I just I can't fully get around the, without question, it would be Richardson. Yeah, I, I was trying to think about this. What would be the worst-case scenario if you draft one – and the other 
plays well? Would it be if you draft Richardson and Levis um, plays well or if you draft Levis and Richardson plays well? Because I, I guess you would side with Richardson because his ceiling seems to be with his athleticism, especially in the AFC, in that quarterback league right now, that quarterback conference right now, to where, right, that would be much worse. If you, sw- if you swing and miss with an opportunity on Richardson, that's going to be a larger stain than if you switch that around with Levis? Yeah, that, that's probably true. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Honestly, what would be the worst-case scenario would be you draft one of the two and they show you whatever. They, I mean, hell, they, they have a Peyton Manning-type rookie season. I mean, Peyton didn't have a great rookie season at all. I mean, he led, you know, led the NFL and set a rookie record in, in, in picks. And, and then you think there's more there. So you bypass the opportunity to get a Caleb Williams or a Drake May in next year's draft, and you stick with that guy, and then the guy doesn't work out. Then the guy becomes, you know, whatever. I don't know. Oh, you think Caleb? You think that's playing a role in this? The Caleb Williams next year? No, I, I, I don't think it will, and I don't think it should. But I'm just thinking, like, what would be the worst case scenario? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For the next like ten years. Okay. It would be. You draft one of the two, they they either don't play or they don't play great as rookies. You're in a position to draft a Williams or a Drake May. You don't do it. You stick with a Levis or a Richardson for year two, thinking there's more there, and then it doesn't pan out. And you have Trubisky, you have, you know, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, you know, whatever these top five quarterbacks are that, that haven't worked out here um, lately. That would be the worst case. I know I'm kind of combining both the years. But that would be kind of the kiss of death of being in the top ten multiple seasons and not coming away with a franchise quarterback. Weird. That is weird. You know what's funny? The, the one thing that keeps getting mentioned to me, and I don't know if you like hear some of the same stuff, is you know, leadership quality. And oftentimes I go, yeah, whatever. And then I see somebody like Richardson and I go, man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about leadership quality, but, man, that's incredible. But can he play quarterback? How, how much do you think leadership quality is a major factor in who they end up picking as their quarterback? I think it's the biggest factor. I think it's the big, especially in Shane Steichen's eyes, easily. You know, I think if you – first off, if you look at Steichen's resume, you know, it's different shapes, it's different sizes, it's different styles of quarterbacks, all three of them, uh, and Rivers and Herbert and Hurts. But the common theme he always has said, you know, for the last three months now or, you know, I guess two months since he's been on the job, is you've got to have that it factor. And I know we can make fun of that and – it's hard to describe, so it's easy to make fun of and, and leadership and culture and all of those words, but it matters a ton, I think, at that position. And I also think it clearly matters a lot to Shane Steichen. So that's the one you can't measure. We can't watch on NFL Network at the Combine. We can't see, you know, throwing balls in Lexington or Gainesville at a pro day. Uh, and and I, I think it's fair to say, I don't think any of these four have – Kyler Murray leaving Oklahoma type questions about leadership, you know, work ethic, those things. I don't think any of them, you know, you have red flags on, but it's okay. How much of it is just innate? How much of it is when they sign that second contract, they're still going to be hungry. As you can imagine, that's the toughest part of this process. And I think that's what this week is all about. I think that's what Shane Steichen in particular, among others, uh, will try and, 
figure out. And that's probably what will be the separator in this class. So, uh, Kevin Bowen with us. Hey, before I let you go really quick here, um, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, even with missing the postseason again. Does this seem the brightest future surrounding the Pacers moving forward as we've seen in a while here? Oh, yeah, without doubt. I, I'd call the season a roaring success. I I, I, I mean, outside of, I, I, if you want to nitpick, Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith maybe not taking the jump that you would hope. I mean, yeah, it's been a roaring success. I think they've won enough, too. I mean, we had Kristen Arion earlier with us. He pointed out some really – a ton of kind of in-game stats that I think were important. Of They've been in those moments. They've won in those moments. I mean, I get the win-loss record is obviously not going to make the playoffs, but to me, you, you still needed one more major piece. And, th- and this time next year, John, we should be talking about them as a playoff team because you, you, you can't go down the path of, you know, lottery, lottery, lottery. At some point, you, you, you obviously have to win and get used to playing in meaningful games and realizing, you know, the, the uptick in, in what the playoffs mean. But – whether it's Halliburton becoming an all-star, you know, Matherin being an NBA-level scorer, you know, obviously Miles and, and Buddy, and then the complimentary pieces. I mean, I think you've got three legit rotational guys in Andrew Nemhard, Aaron Neesmith, and Jordan Wara. Um, now, you still need that big wing. I mean, that is a huge part, I think, of what you've got to find coming up in the lottery. But this season, to me, went about as good as you as you could have hoped for the, for the Pacers. Tomorrow morning, it's a dream situation for Kevin Bowen. He uh, talks to Micah Shrewsbury, the new head coach at Notre Dame, because he's the only Notre Dame basketball fan in Indy. (laughs) And Tiger Woods will tee off with round number one at the Masters pretty much at the same time. So just an incredible, how should I put this, uh, morning sports arousal. Uh, I guess it would be a morning wood for you tomorrow. Yeah. Well, well said. This would yeah. be like you hitting eight threes at Southport Sunday morning. Yeah, eight threes at Southport, and then going home, and there being Skinamax back on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're home from Sunday church. Skinamax is on, everybody. Woo! So, all right, buddy. Well done, man. We'll be listening tomorrow. I appreciate you. All right, thanks, Seth. Bowen right there. Quick when I'm over. My bad. We'll come back with you and me on the other side of the Anything goes, top of the hour. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Awesome! Totally awesome! All right, Hamilton. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You know, Carl writes this. They've messed around with all these stiffs the past couple of years. Why in the world do they not take a legitimate swat at one Lamar Jackson right now? And you know, as I mentioned, Carl, a little bit earlier, it would have been perfect timing a year ago. I just don't think they're in a position where a couple of things here, that they really want to mess with it right now. I think that they have come to the situation where they know that they want to draft somebody. They want to build with a rookie quarterback. And as I mentioned this with what Jim Irsay has become as a major voice among the owners, I in what he said last week, I just don't feel that that is all, at all going to be a consideration because believe me, you're right. I mean, nothing would would juice this fan base here more than bringing in a former and a recent. I guess kind of recent. It is 2023, but you know what I mean. He's a former MVP. 
Take that for what it's worth, and it's worth a lot. And then you consider what everybody was sold on last year or the year prior. I guess you could consider the same thing for Phillip Rivers, but I think everybody was happy. Or what you were sold with Jacoby Brissett when when they were nice and comfortable with luck and tried to explain how Brissett was a top 10 quarterback of the NFL, which clearly he wasn't. Now you're right. I just can't imagine at any level, especially with the words last week of Jim Irsay and wanting to be that that leadership, that that guiding voice, or at least one of them among the NFL owners, I can't imagine that that at all is going to be their play. Now, again, there are a lot of variables going on here. One is that whatever happens, you know, Baltimore is going to have the chance to match it. But I can't argue too much with you, Carl, as far as last year. You think about last year, it was just, hey, you know what? This guy, we have a quarterback right now, done. Go out there and give me somebody else. And I told you, I told you there is no way that you look at the the more recent tape of, of Matt Ryan and then you draw a conclusion that he is good to go after watching 90 minutes of it without just feeling the pressure of, you know, giving that mandate from your owner where you have to go out and get somebody right now or else. Got to do it. Yeah, last year would have certainly seemed perfect. I just can't imagine, and believe me, I would love to do nothing else than talk about this. Yeah, thank you, Jay Law, for that. I don't think it's Pam Greer's birthday, but on this date back in the mid-70s, what, 74, Foxy Brown came out? I'll watch that whenever it's on. I'm a big fan of Pam Greer, everybody. Mm. Coffee, Foxy Brown, all right there. I'll be watching that. Yeah, I saw this a little bit earlier. What if the Colts stay at four, take Will Anderson, then they trade whatever it takes to go out and get Lamar Jackson? The the problem is, I don't with Baltimore. I mean, once you take it for Will Anderson. then how else are you going to make up what Baltimore would want? And then again, I would remind you, unless you know, you're talking about a situation where Lamar Jackson comes off of what he wants, I mean, that would be a pretty big change of direction if you're Jim Irsay from what he said in Arizona last week. I just don't see it. Daryl's at 239-1070. Hello, Daryl. Hey, how you doing, brother? Good to hear from you, man. How you doing? Hey, good. Hey, good. Hey, uh, you know, people don't realize that how bad this team's going to be for the next couple of years. They need so many pieces of the puzzle to put a winning team on the field. You need wide receivers. You need left tackles. You need defense. I think the best thing for this team to do is take Will Anderson, number four, get some wide receivers, get a left tackle, Try to get another quarterback in the free agency, then get a quarterback next year. Because I don't think that none of these four quarterbacks are going to take this team to the promised land. I think, and what you said initially, Daryl, what you said initially is the reason why, and I know it complicates, but it's the reason why they're going to be sold on drafting somebody, sticking with somebody at quarterback, is because they're like Chris Ballard gets a reboot. Like everybody around here seems to be pretty 
solid, right? In drafting a quarterback and being good with it. And with what you said, yeah, they're they're likely not going to be very good when you look around the AFC and what the competition is going to be, especially within your own division when you got, you know, Trevor Lawrence there coming into his own in Jacksonville. So I think that's part of the reason why you're going to see them stick to this particular plan and draft a quarterback yeah, and then move on to the future because of what you said earlier. I don't think I don't think these quarterbacks are going to be good enough. First of all, the two the, the, uh, the, two of them are too small. They're going to end up getting hurt like half of these other small quarterbacks are. You're just not going to have a quarterback that's going to be able to take the hitting that goes on in the NFL. Look at Lamar Jackson. How many times has he been injured? He just I just think it's the wrong way to go right now. They should take take a defensive player. Get a, get a number one wide, wide receiver, get a left tackle. They need a center also. There's just too many other pieces to the puzzle. Daryl, my friend, I'll talk to you on Saturday night. Have a good one, brother. All right. I, the left tackle, they believe that to have a left tackle. They're going to roll with that. Bernard Ryman is going to be what they're going to go with. As far as the center is concerned, it still seems like with the situation, it's still going to be Ryan Kelly. Think they're going to believe that this offensive line is going to prove to be better than it was a year ago? I'm not suggesting it's going to be. I just think that it is a foregone conclusion that they're going to, they've had their eye on a quarterback and they're going to draft it. Now, with my personal preference here, the other thing I can tell you right now is if it is going to be a time where you're going to see a quarterback drafted and sit, which I'm not really a fan of, but if that's going to be this time and you're going to go with a younger quarterback, and I know what Kevin said about completion percentage, and and I know what I've said about me and not being overtaken by pro days and you know non-football game impressions on quarterbacks i'd be i'd be hard pressed to turn down anthony richards i just would i would if again all of what i just set up there being equal i'd be hard pressed to turn that down of the age of everybody has this so deeply rooted belief in shane steichen i guess we'll see seems like there's a lot to work with right there. I'm not there yet, but I, I can also tell you that I'm getting pretty close. Maybe I need some negative news to go ahead and get off of that. But if you're talking about it, and Kevin brought it up and everybody brings it up, when you look around at the rest of the AFC, especially at the quarterback position, and you know knowing you need to to take a big hack at it, that would be a big hack at it for me hey christian before the break here join us at 239 1070 how are you pretty good how are you james great christian hey i just wanted to call in and tell you just i'm in awe at the utter failure of lamar jackson and securing the bag um i think (laughs) the closest i can come to as a failure of securing the black Securing the bag like he has is Oladipo. No, I know. I knew you were going to say Oladipo the right there. Contract. I knew it. Yeah. And he wound up taking that thirty million dollar contract that he. Man, I don't know who's advising Lamar to be his own agent, but 
Uh, yeah, you know what? It's it's funny that you say that, uh, him being his own age. And I heard uh, bits and pieces of Drew Rosenhaus with McAfee a little bit earlier today. And he was obviously, he, he knew who he was talking to. And he was pushing Lamar Jackson to the Colts. The Colts got to do this. The Colts got to do that. It was almost like he was also pushing to be representation for him, too. So it's, it was kind of funny. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I think every day, everything that I hear is, Every day that he's not signed, seems like it's less likely and likely that he's going to get signed by somebody else that is in the race. Yeah, I just, like, like my, my whole thought was last week, and what could have changed my opinion on this is what Jim Mersey had to say, and there was a time when I thought that he was, hey, if this guy's available and, you know, he could add a lot of what this team needs right now, go get him. And when he was completely opposite of that, and it sounded like he was speaking on behalf of the NFL and its owners, um, yeah. it, it, I mean, it that really that threw the cold water on it for me completely. Absolutely, Christian. Anything else? No, that's it, man. Thank you very much for the call. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll get you a little anything goes after six o'clock. Nick's Pacers Fieldhouse tonight. Pre-game shows at six thirty. Seven P's that tip time. I'm going to head down, and maybe some of you can meet me. I'll tell you when and where coming up on the other side. Sit tight. The Ride with JMV. Can I talk to Dana? There is no Dana, only Zool. What a lovely singing voice you must have. Now, I'm going to count to three, Zooli. And if I don't get to talk to Dana, there's going to be some real trouble in this apartment, I think. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, I like the pitch clock. I was steadfast against that, too, at the beginning. Yeah, it's kind of like me. You fall into your ways. I've been trying to be much better, much more open with that. Now, my my lifestyle probably, because I do the same thing every day. I do the same thing every day and the same thing every week. Rarely do I change. And here's what's weird. Like, going to this Pacer game tonight with Brent Halverson and friends and Michelle and everything, it's, like, really weird because my good friend, Bronson McDuffie has opened up Perry Meridian to play basketball. And I know that he's cool enough because he does that with me in mind. And it's really weird not going to do that because that is that is my style. So I'm a little bit out of normalcy doing this tonight. It's weird. I have just I every day is literally like Groundhog Day for me. It's like the same, I do the same stuff every day, the same stuff at the same time. I don't know if I could function any other way. Don't know if I could. No, I tell you what, Corgan, that guy, this person is not a bot. That's, I think, something real right there. It's unfortunate, too, because it's just a, he's a bad dude. But it is funny. Yeah, same thing every day. All right, anything goes at 239-1070. I love the pitch clock. We got to that. I haven't really talked about that in baseball so far. It just keeps things. I, I guess I'm a part of the world that needs a little quicker pace to everything, too. I didn't think. I, I thought I could just, like, sit back and relax. You know, maybe I'm versatile. Maybe I can do both. But I've been digging that. If you want to hit on some cold stuff, we can. Quarterback stuff, we can. Pacers as they're closing out the regular season.
And your thoughts on them? Transfer portal, Brandon Newman of the Boilermakers officially into the transfer portal earlier today. Uh, so we're ready to go. 239-1070. Some anything goes. Randy, you can start. How are you? Hello, Randy. Hey, buddy. How, how's it going? Randy, uh, I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. I talked to you a couple times when I used to get you in Lafayette and Crawfordsville, but this is my first time to hear you. I'm that visiting town tonight. Absolutely so. wonderful. Well done. Um, I, I don't know if you've already talked about it too much, but, man, the racing on Sunday, that is some of the very best racing I can remember in a it very was. long time. It was. It was fun. Too bad more eyeballs weren't on it because, unfortunately, more people watched the pro bull riding tour, the PBR, whatever that is, uh, than they did that race. That's too bad. Yeah, that's heartbreaking because, man, if you know, I just think that was so exciting and uh, – it's what we want. We want passing, and we want a third of the field to have a chance to win. I, you, you know, know? And, and it's funny. I, I guess it's just a, us, us as a smaller group, though, because yeah. they get bigger crowds at these road courses and these street courses, and they just they didn't get the numbers that you thought they would because I was with you. I thought it was incredibly compelling. Watched the end of it, listened to a lot of it, too. And, you know, with Newgarden winning, and I like that back and forth between he and Pato Award. I think that was pretty cool. And uh, evidently not a lot of people other than us, I guess, did. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. Well, hey, good to talk to you, buddy. We'll we'll talk again. Randy, you call anytime. Thank you. Yeah, it's just the way that it is. I think PBR, is that the professional bull Riders, that's what PBR is. I'm assuming, what is that on? CBS, I think. Because NBC had the race. That's in Texas on Sunday. And then I know we were kind of making a joke that I hope Pickleball didn't beat it. I guess Pickleball didn't beat it, but the PBR did. And we were talking about that yesterday when Kevin Lee was in studio before he got going with Kurt Cavan for uh, their weekly trackside program. And that is too bad because that was a fun race. Randy was right about it. It was fun. It's from Joel Bragg. What about trading a bag of peanuts for Mac Jones? Is that what the going rate is right now, according to Bill Belichick for Mac Jones, a bag of peanuts? (laughs) Outstanding. Jim McCann in Southern California writes this, my opinion of why the Minshew excitement by so many Colts fans, especially after Wentz and Ryan, Gardner Minshew has a passer rating of 126-6, 468, six TDs, one interception in two games against the Colts in his career. Probably right. Hey, JMV, the Colts playing back in Gainesville today, a trip to Cali, to Utah. Yeah, we documented that with Kevin Bowen a little bit earlier, what they were going and checking out. And then tomorrow you should find that in Lexington. Hey, JMV, the Pacers shutting down Turner and Halliburton for the rest of the season. Halliburton, I believe so. Turner was questionable, but I I wouldn't be surprised if both are going to be shut down for the remainder of the season. And rightly so, considering where they are right now. All right, 239-1070. It's anything goes at that number. And J.J. is next. Hello, J.J. 
Hey, Jam V, what's going on with you, big dog? What is happening with you, JJ, on Anything Goes? Go ahead. Nothing much. Go Cubs, fly the W, they'll get it together. Yeah, they, they beat right. they beat the pants off the Reds late in that game yesterday, though. They got going yeah. and the Reds couldn't stop them. I think the Reds were up 3-1, and, and this, is, this is how I work, right? And I think they got out of this inning, but they were up 3-1, and Newman, their shortstop, I was just getting ready to text a friend saying, man, Newman is a, what a sure-handed shortstop he is. He doesn't miss on anything defensively. And I swear to you, JJ, as soon as I got ready to hit send, immediately he booted a ball. I, I mean, I, you, you just can't make this stuff up with me. It's incredible. Immediately. Uh, yeah, I understand that. Hey, I got, got a couple things real quick. Uh, one thing, it's starting. Yeah, we got Newman in the portal for my beloved Boilermakers, and uh, that's just just a comment there. I hate to see that going. Right. But simply, here's the thing. I love the pitch clock. I mean, it's a great thing. You know, Machado strikes out because he's standing up there, and he's taking too long. He's not in the box. Yeah. Now, that's, to me, it's, I'm a little leery with this part. Unless I didn't hear it differently, how is that going to affect some of the major league records uh, does that count as a strikeout for the pitcher? Or, I, you know, I, I'm not sure about that. And we got to get something going, Damar. So I've been listening to you. Hey, I hey, appreciate that, JJ. Thank you very much. We love Damar. Love Damar services. J Law writes this JMV, color episodes of Andy Griffith are now playing on Pluto TV. Really? A travesty in programming. See, I always have it rolling on my Roku stick on Pluto TV on the Andy Griffith channel because all they do or all they did do was play the black and white episodes. I don't watch a a color episode of Andy Griffith because they're all awful. I mean, later on in the series, I mean, all of a sudden you see Opie getting zits. When Opie starts getting acne, I go, hey, you know. And then Andy's dancing. Andy's always kind of pissed. He was always angry. You could tell. You know, again, the, the color episodes, black and white to color episodes coincided with with Don Knotts leaving the show as Monty Five. He made a couple of, of other guest appearances uh, in episodes further down the road, but he was he was gone making movies. But man, they're so bad. You get Warren the deputy. I did not know that. Pluto TV, J-Law. And see, Sundance does this too. Sundance doesn't play the color episodes. They just loop the black and whites. They play them in order, and they loop, what, the five seasons? Six seasons? I think it's five of the black and white episodes. You're right. To change that up, they're going to force me to start watching Family Ties again, J-Law, if they're not careful. Come on, Pluto. I like Pluto TV a great deal. Nothing better. Than watching old Johnny Carson episodes. Oh, man, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, great. Uh, Aaron's next at 239-1070. Hello, Aaron. Man, my kindred spirit talking about the oldies. Uh, Johnny Carson episodes are fantastic. There's one, I think. I want to say it was right before Aaron coming to America. It was uh, around 87. Probably this had to be 88. But uh, yeah. Eddie Murphy was on there. It was pretty good. You know, real quick, my mom, a couple of TV stories before I get to my uh, yeah. Stroud uh, comment. 
my mom, uh, you know, my father used to work second shift at Chevrolet on the west side. And he was even minister, right? But we used to watch the Tom Jones show. My mother and her sister used to be talking. Oh, you t- is Tom Snyder? Is, are you talking Tom Snyder? No, no, no. Tom Jones, the singer. Oh, the singer. I didn't know Tom Jones had a show. Yeah, he used to have a variety show huh? in the early 70s. Gotcha. He was a little too young for it, probably. But, man, my father would be pulling up my mother and say, all right, Darcy, I got to get out of your head here to pull that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but April, I'll never forget the day. It was April 29th of 89. Yeah. I went out to L.A. to visit my sister, and I wanted to go see some of the TV shows because they're all free out there. So we went on Melrose Drive to try to go in living color, but the line was too long for the tickets. So we got a couple of tickets to the Arsenio Hall show. Right. And I stood in line, and as you go into the studio, there's this big old mural of him as the preacher <laughs> of a coming to America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I got to sit in the dog pound right beside the <laughs> And Sarah Fawcett was the guest on there. He's going to throw that rock. <laughs> it was her and uh, Michael Tucker from L.A. Law. I never oh, really? That. Wait, Michael Tucker from L.A. Law and Farrah Fawcett? Yes, they was on, they was on our TV at home. Yeah. So I, YouTube, I YouTube that show the other day. I'm like, wow, I was there that night. But hey, uh, I want you. Want, I want you to go out there and tie that knot. Uh, Arsenio Hall and coming to America was great. <laughs> hey, tell you what, I heard you talking earlier about Stroud and uh, yeah, uh, Ohio State. It, it it never ceased to make me. I know you're talking about how people are Jack Asbury. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also people with butt being butt dumb. How is it that you're gonna hold him? accountable for having great talent around him. I know it. But then be apologetic for Levitt for not having none at all. I know Could it. Could you imagine how stupid people were found? I I hate that, that argument. Can you I hate how stupid it. people were found if they say that Peyton Manning wasn't that great because he had Marvin and Edge and the rest Man, of I'm them. And I'm telling you. I, I mean, listen, the more the merrier. You work, I, hard, I, yes. you work real hard, you can always find a reason not to like someone. We are you on know? the same page with him because, I mean, you got I mean, you got to have a special talent to be able to to be good. And, and, and again, I always take this, Aaron, off of one game. Tell I always talk about it. But, but he so absolutely shredded Georgia. And to me, it was more about his arm and his movement than it was about just what his O-line was doing or what his skill position players are doing. I thought that that was a lot on him, and that's what impressed me the most. If everybody was honest, they would just say, we want this to drop. It's a bucket of draw. And I'm afraid of any quarterback before being drafted be talking about how he has guns and taking photos of his arms. That's not telling me nothing more than you like your character is probably like somebody off a top gun. And one last comment. Yep. I heard somebody on the radio the other day talking about I mean, I know everybody got their reason for choosing who they want to get. They were talking about uh ask a guest who should they get? Uh the guy from the neck up or the guy from the neck down. I went, like, come on, this is twenty twenty three. You know, that that's ridiculous. Yeah, Just well, it, it, well, you you know this because you've been around here for a long time. The, everybody dissects every bit and every piece. 
of everything and and to be different because everybody's not saying the same damn thing over and over aaron thank you for the call and by the way i just hey, saw i just i just saw a bit and piece of this tom jones show and a very young richard Pryor in 1960 1969's a part of it well done hey one last thing john yeah. what do what do chris power and the old i mean the brand new new uh andy griffith shows have in common what is that they both stayed around a little too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Well, I, I think it would have been better. Yeah. And you know what? And had Barney stayed around, you could be like Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck stayed around. Maybe that'd have been better. That's a reach. That bums me out about Pluto TV, though, man. I accidentally deleted tweet Pluto TV playing color episodes of Andy. Yeah, I can't have that. Hey, Tim's up next on Anything Goes at 239-1070. Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot for taking my call. Yes. Hey, talking about um, uh, Andy Griffith's show. Yes. There is a really good, if you're an Andy Griffith fan, you would like the book. It's called The Boys. And I read it, and it's the autobiography of Ron Howard and his younger brother, Clint Howard. And it's a really, really good read. It's all about growing up as child stars. And, uh, of course, a lot of it has to do with Andy Griffith. But it's a really, really good book. They were kid, They were normal kids for the most part. Their parents were actors. Yes. And their parents kind of gave up their acting career for the boys. Now, you know who uh, Opie, Ron Howard's, brother is don't you yeah clint howard played leon a couple yeah, of different did. times on andy griffith exactly yeah. he was leon and then yeah. he had a show called the gentle ben yeah gentle ben because i got the lunchbox <laughs> which, was, <laughs> which was filmed in florida right and so andy griffith was being filmed in los angeles of course so the father uh, stayed with Opie when they were filming yep. in Los Angeles, and the mother stayed well, with uh, Clint Howard. Because Rance, really Rance Howard, the fa- Rance Howard's the father, and he was uh, he was the limo driver for the governor when when Barney gave him a ticket. Um, he was uh, uh, he was a couple of different um, supporting actors in some episodes yeah. of that. So he was there too. Yeah, and he wrote a lot of screenplays, um, and then his, their mother was in Apollo 13. She plays Jim Lovell's mother. That's yeah, oh, yeah, exactly, yeah, that exactly. What? the last thing they ever did. Yeah, hey, Tim, they thank did. thank you for so much for the call. It's funny about Ron Howard because remember when he came here to support um, the F1 racing film? I can't remember what it was called now. But Doug Bowles knew how much I wanted to meet him and actually brought me out there, kind of secretly brought me out there and and took me over to him. And I sat there and talked to Ron Howard for about six or seven minutes. And it was maybe six or seven of some of the best minutes I've ever spent in my life. It was awesome. And I was hustling with questions. I mean, I just... I, but I, I, can, I could never thank Doug Bowles for doing that enough because he was over in one of the chalets and he said hey just let's go in there we're going to talk to him really quick and he took me over there i talked to ron howard for a while it was awesome i mean it's so much so much he's been a part of that that i've enjoyed you know beyond andy griffith or happy days or night shift or apollo 13 i mean so much uh Corey's up next anything goes hello Corey. 
JMV, what up, buddy? Are you? Is this Corey from Switzerland? You better believe it, my man. What's the time in Switzerland right now? It is uh, 12, uh, 1220. Hey, Corey, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but what are, the, what are the chicks like in Switzerland? I've heard stories. They're not that great, dude. We, you need to go to Sweden. I think Sweden yeah, is Yeah, uh, you're probably right. So Switzerland's not as good as Sweden, I guess, here, huh? Yeah, but I mean, don't get me wrong. They're They're okay. And, hey, by the way, that guy brought up Apollo 13. Didn't I have the greatest Apollo 13 reference with um, what do we have on the ship that is good? Yes. Yeah, Ed Harris, Gene Krantz, flight director. So what's on the ship that's good? That's involving the Colts. We brought that up many a times regarding the Colts on this show, unfortunately. I got to be honest with you, John. I have no agenda on this one. I just wanted to call um, (laughs) from here. (laughs) Where are you in Switzerland right now? Lucerne? We're we're in Zurich. We oh, dude, I'll give you the rundown of where we've been, but it's been uh, everywhere. Um, Lucerne is one of the places we went to. Yeah. Right. So, but I had to call. I had to. Call I appreciate that. Can you can you get some cheap diamonds? Hang on, hang on, real fast. Yeah. Um, I can't get cheap diamonds, but I can do one thing real fast. Okay. Hold on, real fast. All right. Candace, say hi. Hey. What are you doing, Candace? Uh, we're just hanging out in Zurich right now. Oh, really? They make him go out and buy like one of the biggest diamonds they have in stock right now. Okay. Well, I probably in hope so. I mean, it's only. I've already done that, John. It's on her left freaking ring finger. <laughs> when did you do this? When did this happen? Oh, five years ago. Oh hell, okay. We'll well, well, no, I no, I wanted. I, I thought that that somebody as lovely and as cool as Candace deserves even you know a better upgrade here. That's what I was thinking. I just wanted to dig. Yeah, I, I wanted to dig into your bank account right now. You know what? I'm going to come find you uh, when I get back, <laughs> and uh, we're going to have a big old talk about Venmo and things like that. You got it, buddy. Hey, I appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your time in Switzerland, Corey. All right, brother. All right. Thank you, Candace and Corey from Switzerland on Anything Goes. Reggie, you're next. Hello. What's up? This is Homer Reggie, man. Uh, I got a couple of sports questions because I missed the show today. I've been yep. busy. But – um. Uh, you know, I'm sad that Pacers are out of it. I'm happy to be renewing my tickets again for like the 10th or 11th year. Yep. And this is the first time in three or four years that I've actually been enthused about spending my money. No. So I'm just it... upset that I think with all the draft picks we got, I think Brissett's going to be out of here, man. I like Brissett. I don't want him out of here. I know Johnson's going to be gone. Probably Hill's going to be gone. And somebody else that may trade Chris Duarte. I was just wondering... What are we going to do with all these draft picks? Well, they're, they're going to maneuver, and Reggie, thank you very much. That's Homer Reggie right there. They're going to maneuver, but feel good about it. This is the best feeling you should have about the future of this team in a while, even in missing the postseason. Jonathan, 10 seconds of your best material. Go. Well done, Jonathan. Thank you. Eddie's in here. He's going to take you to the Pacer pregame show next. James, thank you very much. Kevin Bowen, Ted Bishop, Greg Rakesraw, podcast 1075thefan.com. I'm going to meet everybody down at Pearl Street in a minute. Then we'll go over and watch the Knicks and the Pacers pregame show 630, 7P the tip. Enjoy that. Thank you inside the lounge via YouTube Live as well. With 93.5 and 1075 the fan. Have a great night.